Guys, happy new year, happy holidays. The Bros Giving Gang is back. It's DJ CJ, Uncle Brent, and we got a very special guest today. We got Victor Cruz, a buddy of mine um, on the ESU baseball team, part of ESU strength and conditioning, and the founder of Suave Athletics. So, Suave. Suave, baby, Suave, man. Nice and smooth. (laughs) So, we got a lot of content coming up for you guys. We got Victor on the podcast today. We got Zach coming on the podcast tomorrow. So, we are starting off the new year on a high note. Mm -hmm. We're looking out for all that kinds of content. We'll be doing some YouTube videos and stuff like that. So, Victor, dude. Thanks for coming on. So just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you're about. Yeah, man. It's a pleasure. I guess first and foremost, thank you for having me. This yeah, is no cool, problem, man. Mm-hmm. Cool little office. We got the Cairo set up, everything. Yeah, we're, we're, we're beating off guests with a stick, so you're pretty high priority, <laughs> bro. Yeah, man. So thank you for having me. I guess, so tell you a little bit about myself. That's Go for it. That's all you, yeah. Mm-hmm. All, right, cool. all about you. Dude. So I'll give you my little spiel. So... So really the first memories in life for me were carrying a baseball bat and glove. Mm. Um, that kind of led me to where I am today. But, you know, I played high school baseball in Westfield, New Jersey, born and raised. Okay. Um, and that was when I first, you know, developed my passion for strength conditioning. Like you said, I'm a, I'm a graduate assistant strength coach at ESU now as well as playing on the baseball team. So that's when I first developed that passion my freshman year mm-hmm. um, at a, a local facility. And, you know, I played uh, high school baseball. I ended up going to Roan University for undergrad. So I played four years of college baseball there. Um, did a bunch of experiences with strength and conditioning. Um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, so I know your dad's a Cairo. You're thinking about doing mm-hmm. Cairo. I looked at Cairo PT strength and conditioning, and you know I did a bunch of different experiences in terms of shadowing, and volunteering, and on top of playing baseball, obviously. And you know we were fortunate enough to make college baseball World Series. Nice, and nice. That was just last year, right? So mm-hmm. that was last spring. Um, now I was fortunate to have an experience where I interned down at Cressy Sports Performance Facility down down in South Florida, which was pretty cool. It's it's owned by Eric Cressy, who's the director of player health and performance by the New York Yankees. Mm. Um, so that was a cool experience for me in terms of, you know, just creating my own coaching philosophy and taking that here mm-hmm. to ASU and working mm-hmm. with athletes. But um, and that kind of takes me where I am today. You know, I'm a I'm a college baseball player at ESU grad coach and obviously me and CJ are pursuing a master's in exercise science. So you know that that's kind of my story and, and and how it came up nice nice yeah so when it comes to all the guys on the team especially dudes in the program like if there's one dude that i always go to talk to just to consult on whether it's a program that i'm doing for bros giving for one of our clients or you know just for what i'm doing right so like getting back into lifting right now after taking some time off and being sick there like victor's my go-to guy so i wanted this to be the podcast where it's like yo if you love strength and conditioning if you want to pursue a career in strength and conditioning whether it's at the collegiate level high school level or whether you just want to get better as an athlete or a person like this is going to be the podcast for you so thanks for tuning mm-hmm. in guys but we're going to start off a little bit just talking about some of his experiences playing d3 baseball so you guys have heard me talk about junior college you heard me talk about d1 and now both of our experiences you know at the d2 level but one thing we don't have is just a guy talking about d3 so we know some kids that are going d3 we know there's a ton of kids out there that that's the route that they're going so i know there's kind of a bad perception at times about it but mm-hmm. kind of give us your give us your spiel on that because i know rowan's a great program you guys had a lot of great stuff going on there and of course you made a world series which is a great accomplishment no matter what level you're mm-hmm. at so talk to us a little bit about that yeah, so for me, I mean, I guess like a lot of guys in high school, I had that mentality of almost like D1 or bust. Right. I was doing anything and everything I could to try to go D1, whether it be a small school, big school, whatever. So Real quick, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, where you're from in Jersey, is that like a big baseball town, a lot of D1 guys or anything, any sport? <laughs> no, so I went to a public high school, you know, just the town with me where I was, um, and we always had talent, but mm-hmm. there, there was more powerhouses if you went to uh, private schools. 
Like, you guys didn't tangle like Bergen Catholic and shit, or did you? No, no. So we never played those types of schools. Did you play Wall? Were you near Wall Township and stuff? No, Wall's down south by the shore. Okay. Mm -hmm. I used to play some travel ball there, but no, we never played Wall. But we were a group four school, so we were a big school. Right, right. Um, So we had some good competition. We saw some good arms, some good players. But Mm -hmm. it was nothing like, if you get into some some of that private league ball with Del Barton. Yeah, um, yeah. St. Joe's Montville schools mm-hmm. like that. Those mm-hmm. those those produce the guys like uh, that go to Vandy and the big right, schools. Right. Bro. Gotcha. But yeah, in terms of D three, so I was trying to go D one, and you know I had some looks and going through the recruiting process. And at the end of the day, I took the best baseball school um, that I could get, and for mm-hmm. me that was Rome University, where they were D three mm-hmm. powerhouse, and and they still are. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a perception of you know depending on the division you go to. Um, you might not have as good a chance of getting drafted mm-hmm. or developed as best as you can. I think what it comes down to is you have to play to develop. Right? Yeah. So no matter yeah. no matter where you go play college baseball, mm-hmm. you have to be able to understand, have a good relationship, communication with that coach first and foremost mm-hmm. yeah. before you decide to go there to know if you're actually going to get some, some playing time. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, it was I know going to D3, I have a way better shot of, say, if I went to a D1 school. And specifically at Rowan, we have three – I think we have three or four guys that I play with at Rowan that are still playing professional baseball. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so whether yeah, it be cool. independent league or in the minor leagues, we have a few guys. Um, we had two drafted my sophomore year. Um, so I think at the end of the day, if they're good, mm-hmm. uh, they'll, or if you're good, they'll find you, mm-hmm. um, no matter where you go, and make sure you find a place you can develop. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I wanted to say, so when we were playing Gardner-Webb, mm-hmm. who's actually coached Jim Chester, because he used to be at Lock Haven, which is funny that he ended up down there and the coach from um, uh, Cumberland County Community College is now coaching at Barton, who we're going to go play. But he he had some kid, like, all of a sudden we're reading the scouting reports that we're going to be playing them in the spring, and they got some dude front in their rotation that's like six seven, and he throws 99 miles an hour. <laughs> dude, where did this kid come from? He came from some D3 in West Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's right. And he came and he shut us down the first game. Like, that was, they beat us one time that year, last year, and it was with that kid pitching. We ended up hitting them around a little bit this second time because we, we had some real talented guys in the lineup and we were prepared for it. But just, it's like, what was this kid doing in D3 the last three years? Dude, he must have, like, tore it up because it was with the COVID that he was able to transfer and go play mm-hmm. D1 ball. But, like, man, like, even at the D3 level, like, you know, being able to play that kind of kid, he was one of the best pitchers we faced all year. I, I feel like in baseball and football especially, the roster are just so big and there's so many schools that, like, some kids are bound to get lost in the shuffle. Like, there's no way you're going to – like, don't get down yourself because you're like, oh, I'm going D3, I have D1 talent. I mean, it's just bound to happen. Like, look at all the guys from JUCO that go pro and will be football mm-hmm. who go pro. So just keep your faith with that and uh, keep working hard because some people just get overlooked. And I and I always talk about this, but the experience that you make at these places, again, is exact exactly that. It's what you make. So if you go in and you want to learn and you want to be asking your coaches stuff and you want to put in the work, you're going to take away a whole lot more than – baseball like at all right like aside from baseball so i know being at campbell i learned a ton of stuff and just talking to vic and everything he knows about baseball like we've been working on a ton of infield work to get me ready to play the infield this spring and he's <laughs> like you just you know you've gained so much knowledge over the year just from doing that so again no matter what school you're going to no matter what sport it is it is what you make it and i know i've said that in previous episodes but if you go in with um, an agenda, right? You want to learn, you want to do everything you can to get better, then you're going to be getting something out of it. So that's pretty cool. And the next thing I wanted to talk about, so of course, you went to the World Series, right? That was super cool. You played at the D3 level. I did it at the JUCO level. But what goes along with that is a certain kind of culture now. Coach K brought us into ESU. 
because he wanted to make sure that the culture was where it needed to be in order to make a championship run. And I think we've done a pretty good job at doing that and integrating a win, you know, more of a winning philosophy, more of a team philosophy. So touch on a little bit of that and how it was at Rowan and how that's kind of who you've become as a baseball player, as yeah. being a team guy. Because I know you're a team guy, you're a utility guy, you play all over the place, and you're all about helping people. So tell us some a little bit about that. We'll get a conversation going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a good question. Well, I want to <laughs> shoot back real quick to what you guys are touching on. Okay. So you mentioned, and this is well said, getting lost in the shuffle mm -hmm. with all this college baseball stuff and the over-recruiting that's going on, the COVID timeline, how that adds to it. It's a big shuffle right now, right. especially with um, all those kids. There was like 1,700 kids left in the transfer portal yeah. when, uh, when the fall started. Exactly. The transfer portal blew up and coaches are searching for any way to get better at the end of the day. <laughs> so getting lost in the shuffle and then that blends right to your point of what you said with making the most of what you have. Mm -hmm. So like if you go into a program no matter where it is and you make the most out of what mm -hmm. you have and that could that can encompass a lot of things. And for me at Rowan this blends to your other question was like we didn't have the best facilities. Yeah. We knew we weren't mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. But what we did have is we respected the adversity that we encountered, whether that yeah. be tough competition, mm -hmm. whether that be adversity, being baby. coaching hard on us, uh, being super disciplined, having to hit in a cage that had, that had, it was terrible lighting, gym floor. And oh, we hit, gym floor. And we hit, we hit in a net that was white. Mm. You, you, never, you have never We've seen never that before seen in baseball, bro. So oh the baseball God. blends in with the net. That was the type of adversity that we deal with. And that was kind of our motto. Um, you know, and this kind of goes to the question you were talking about. When we made it to a college world series, one of the things was like adversity. We like it. Mm -hmm. We embrace it. So we like, love it. Whenever, whenever we had, for, there, there was a good example. Like this kind of goes to our culture. Like there was a day we were in a a regional in Ohio. This is mm -hmm. my senior year, and we had a day where we came together as a team. We just did our pre pre game BP, and they had to move all the games back to that night. So we already mm -hmm. all got ready. We were ready to play. Mm -hmm. And they moved the game back to the nighttime. It's like some and travel ball type crap. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Except we're playing the biggest game. Playing of our a lives. domination, yeah, but now mm -hmm. you're playing yeah. the biggest game of your lives. <laughs> Literally yeah. the biggest game of our lives, and it got pushed back. Mm -hmm. And we, our coach told us, and he was like kind of down about it. He was like, "I wish this didn't happen." Mm -hmm. And we all smiled at the same time. Look, let's we go. Like, we we're like adversity. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> and we brought it up, and we got crazy. And that mm -hmm. night we went out, we did our stretch again, mm -hmm. and when we were jogging the center, we started barking at the other team, <laughs> <laughs> like dogs. Just an example of like we don't care what you throw at us. Like uh -huh. we're gonna try to thrive and embrace it. Yeah, um, that's awesome. So that, that blends all those up. points. Yeah, that's kind of the culture that we built. We don't care what you have, but we're gonna be dogs and we're gonna piss mm -hmm. you off while we win. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just and that those all blend together. So yeah, that's what I say about that. And it, it's funny because a lot of what we did at Campbell, like the theme of how we trained, was like military. So we were talking about, you know, you want to be like a Navy SEAL. Like just even thinking about it, right? Like, once you become a Navy SEAL, like, that's what you are. And they tried their hardest to train us in the mentality of that. Like, of course, as close as you could get to it. Because, of course, you're not going to emulate the kind of training that those guys go through. But they had – we had SEALs and Rangers actually come work with us. And they talk about triumph through adversity. Like, we gain mm. success through adversity. That even if you don't necessarily achieve your goal, it's working towards your goal as a team. Mm -hmm. And overcoming that adversity that you really find success, that you really find ways to become better men and better people in general and how to fit into society, right? 
So it's just funny because my one buddy would always say adversity, good. <laughs> they, we would ask, someone would say, you know, what's on the practice plan for today? We'd have these long, elaborate practice plans all typed up. And they'd be like, I'll oh, probably do some more adversity. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, man, we're freaking ready for that. We'd be like, what's on the hitting plan? They'd be like, adversity. We're like, of yeah, course. Exactly. Like, we're that's, just going to go in. That's it, exactly how it was at Rome. We were, we were wanting it. But that's funny that you say that, like, because some of the most successful people in this world, whether it be mm-hmm. strength conditioning, entrepreneurship, Accounting, it, do, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They mm-hmm. got to where they are and they got to be how successful they are because of the failures that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're somebody that, that encounters negative experiences or adversity like we're talking about, and if you can't propel yourself and use that as motivation, mm-hmm. that is like a huge factor in terms of becoming successful and, and you know being productive in that way. Yeah. I like that you brought up the uh, Navy SEAL point because I just saw something yesterday and this guy was talking to Navy SEAL and he was like, how did you guys pick uh, the six members for SEAL Team 6 or however many guys it was? And he was like, he put out a chart and he put um, trust and performance and they were talking about how they rather have a high trust, low performance guy on that mission. Yeah. Than a high performance guy, low trust. Like mm-hmm. you can, I saw something. It was like, can you you can trust them with a knife and a gun, but can you trust them with your daughter and your wife or something? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just about how do you affect the situation with like your teammates, uh, mm-hmm. your fellow members, whatever you're in from the military, and uh, just having that absolute inevitable trust in one another to get something done. I think that's huge, especially at like a D three level, where you might have the most talented guys. But if you're all coming together as one, like you said, with the pregame hype and the pregame stretch, like that's crazy. Bargain at them. Like yeah, you get hype. Like when you're when imagine you know bargain people. Oh yeah. But imagine like you're everyone has that trust in you, and you know you can't let your brothers down and shit. And it's not just you. Like that's what it's all about, man. I love Dude, that. Dude, that is that is really well said because I had these experiences at Rome. Like I said, those guys that play pro ball now, uh-huh. and nothing gets them. They're great dudes. It's just at that time our team wouldn't didn't click the way it should mm-hmm. it should have mm-hmm. and we had all the talent right yeah. these guys are playing pro ball now we had all the talent we needed and i was a sophomore at the time but we couldn't make it out of a regional yeah mm-hmm. like we had probably maybe the two best arms in all of d3 college baseball mm-hmm. we couldn't mm-hmm. make it out of a regional so it's like what went wrong and we learned those guys did one of those i hate to cut you off did one of those kids get drafted but, uh, two of them got drafted. Yeah, it wasn't so one up to like ninety eight or something like that, mm. or something crazy. I think because I heard I heard about that rotation that you guys had because mm-hmm. I was in junior college at the time. Mm-hmm. It's almost talking about. But all right, go go ahead with what you were saying. Yeah, we had Danny Serino and Andrew mm-hmm. Piazza. I don't know, name drop them. I don't know. They're good dudes. Cut it out. Cut it out. No, they they're dude. They are really really good pitchers. Super talented. Mm-hmm. One transfer from Alabama. One transfer from really uh, Seton Hall. No both, way. Both went JUCO, yeah. and then we got them at Rowan. Really, that's also, cool. Yeah, we also had a center fielder from. St. John's. Very oh, wow. cool. Where did they go to junior college at? Did they go to Rowan or Cumberland? It was uh, or Mercer or something. Mer- Mercer and Cumberland, I think. Okay. And then RCGC from the. <laughs> mm, okay. But yeah, that was their route, and that's mm-hmm. why also the JUCO route I think is a big thing too that that could. Of course, of course, yeah. Give a lot of value to a lot of guys like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even remember what the heck I was saying. But <laughs> that, oh, oh, that team, that yeah, team, yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. team. Yes, that team was like. We had all the talent, but we didn't have the team cohesion and the culture. Mm-hmm. And those sophomores at that time, who were then seniors when we made a college world series, yeah. knew what it was like to have all the talent, but not to be a great team and a great mm-hmm. culture. So, like exactly what you were saying, it's all about how can you trust your teammates. You know, mm-hmm. we may have not been the best baseball players, but damn, we were super close to each other. That's we were good. Brothers. And that's and that's one thing that I always say. And it's one thing to have hype, right? Mm-hmm. Easy to have hype. So everyone, you know, everyone's the best team in the nation when you're going into it at whatever level. Like everyone thinks that they're going to go out and win a conference, right? It doesn't matter what your talent level is because the hype is there. 
but height and talent and work ethic within a team. Like, of course, work ethic is super important. But if you don't have the trust between your players, then ultimately then the culture fails, mm-hmm. right? Because another thing with the Navy SEALs and what some of them, when they came in to talk to us, when there was a mission, no one's, not everyone, or I shouldn't say, everyone didn't raise their hand, right? You didn't raise your hand because you knew that you were trained to the point where no matter what role you were put in, whether you were filing paperwork in an office as a SEAL or whether you're actually out there executing the mission or whether you were guarding something or whether you're just on base, you treated everything exactly the same. So they had this saying, right? Whether you're filing paper, whether you're filing paperwork or you're actually out there in the field, you're going to do everything 100% and you were going to accept the role because it's a team effort. And that is so hard for people to understand because you need to be... Mm-hmm. You need to fall into that team role. And I even said, like, yo, I come to ESU. I don't even care if I start because I want to win a championship. It's carry or bust. And that's what we've been saying all fall, man. Like, we're in the way. I'm like, guys, we need to be lifting. We need to be practicing. You need mm-hmm. to be treating your everyday life like you want to go when you want to win a championship. And if I fall into the world where I'm not playing or whatever, then I'll be okay with it because I'm about you guys. And it's hard. You know, and that's the role that I fell into at Campbell last year. But honestly, I loved every second of it because that's the culture that we had created. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was super special. So I know that's some of the stuff – that they talk about as a SEAL team. Like, it doesn't matter who goes on the mission, man. It doesn't matter what your job is, whether you're the dude who's taken out Bin Laden or you're the dude who's outside by the chopper just watching for people, right? Of course, you may want to be in a mm-hmm. certain role, but you have to get to the point where it's almost indifferent no matter what you do, that you're going to feel the same satisfaction from getting the mission done and that you're going to perform your role, whether it's cheering on the bench or whether it's doing, or, or unless you're up there, you know, all-American hitting 20 bombs. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just something I wanted to talk about. I know I touched on it briefly in a previous episode, but I love that, man. It's team mentality. mm -hmm. Team mentality, That's that's really good. Something that makes me think of is kind of one of the things that I think about, almost like a value, is like how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm -hmm. So take a second to digest that. And that could go into a team culture and sports, or it could be your life. Mm -hmm. So how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Mm -hmm. So if like... Say we're setting up a podcast, right? Making sure everything, the lighting is perfect. Making mm-hmm. sure the camera's in the right spot. Making sure you're, like, you guys gave me a water when I came in. Mm-hmm. Making sure I have a water when I come in. Could have got that, you a coffee. Right? Just being lazy. Actually, I know. <laughs> could have stopped at Starbucks, won't lie. Right. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I didn't have to have anything. But that super attention to detail and the smaller mm-hmm. things in life make those mm-hmm. large steps and those mm-hmm. big successes so much easier mm-hmm. so like if we go into practice at esu one day and we make sure we get every bunt down in a small super focused bunt drill mm-hmm. when we're in a conference championship and there's a guy on second with no outs that bunt yeah. drill mattered a lot mm-hmm. didn't it? Mm-hmm. so like that how you do anything is how you do everything and attention to those small details i think is it blends to exactly what you were saying that mm-hmm. so very good so i think that was a great conversation, but we can kind of flip the script here. We can kind of get into strength and conditioning a little bit more, which is what, you know, the majority of this podcast, or what we wanted it to be about at least. So, obviously, you're um, a GA, uh, ESU, with strength and conditioning. You've interned at some pretty big-time places. You know, you're going to intern, uh, hopefully, you know, with an MLB organization uh, this summer. But just talk to us about, you know, you have swap strength, right? I don't mean to be all over the place, but you have swap strength. That's like your brand, just like we have Bros Giving, that you started. So, what was your inspiration behind mm-hmm starting Swap Strength, and what are some of you, like, your philosophies that you like to integrate into Swap Strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if that good, makes sense. No, that makes sense. I think that's a good question. I think, first and foremost, and if I hope this is true for you guys as well as a lot of people um, trying to make content, you have to be in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for me, of course. For me, the only reason I put things out there is to hopefully help other athletes. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's the best feedback. I put out exercises and a bunch of different things. It's all baseball-specific. 
um, most of the stuff at least. And when I get, when I hang out at a local facility or see my old friends, baseball friends or whatever it might be, and, mm-hmm. they, and they say to me, hey, I took some of the exercises that I saw on your Instagram and I've been using them, that is the best thing I mm-hmm. could ever hear. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's actually yeah. accomplishing the goal of what mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to do. Some people will misconstrue like, oh, you're, you're egotistical or yourself, mm-hmm. or it's kind of like, you know, it's all about yeah, you and the stuff you're doing. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm in it for. Mm-hmm. I'm not in it for the money. I'm not in it for that. What I'm in it for is to hopefully I can help athletes and also just thinking through ideas or things I'm posting in mm-hmm. terms of weightlifting helps me gain right. knowledge. Right? I, I like what you just said because I, I think like a lot of influencers, like people just posting their bodies on Instagram, people are like, oh, like he's full of himself. Like, because right away, yeah, we, dude, we were talking about that. When like, you, we can't just post when our you see Jim dude like posting in a, in a freaking um, sleeveless, you're like, oh, like this dude's full of himself, like ego. But it's just not like what we're trying to do is not that. And I want people to like, get that message, like listening, or our viewers, like we're here to help you guys. Like, it's genuinely not to show off. It, we don't even get many likes on that type of stuff. So, like, if we, if we cared about that and I we truly cared about like oh I'm just gonna show off my muscles like then we wouldn't be doing it you know what I mean so yeah I like yeah. that you said that I'd be shirt off in the manner every day baby if, yeah. if CJ did it the likes would blow up the likes would <laughs> blow up all the girls would be coming if I did it I'd lose my account no no they stop coming nope. they, nope. they ban you I, I like that you just said that too actually because uh, a lot of people I think are have good advice. But they're afraid. They're like, I don't, I don't look like Alex Eubank. I don't look like Jack the Italian. Like, I can't put stuff out there. And I just want you to know, if you look like, first of all, if you look good, uh, so I don't know what you're saying. But yeah, come um, on, Victor. All about confidence on the podcast, baby. <laughs> Someone might, because you're you're all natural, right? Obviously, like you're not taking roids and stuff. So, so freaking um, someone at home might be like, oh wow, I'm gonna go listen to this guy. He's like living a healthy lifestyle. He's reasonable. It's a reasonable goal. Like he's just out here giving advice. He's not worried about like looking like because he. Let's be honest, a lot of the fitness influencers, and they're starting to come out, are on the juice and shit. Mm-hmm. So don't have the unrealistic expectation. You can look good without that. Don't think like that's the top goal. But yeah, I mean, if it is good for you and go that route, but I like that you brought that up. Yeah, steroids are scary stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Scary stuff. All right, well, here, just just to bring it up real quick. Cause you, oh, so you said you actually visited some of the places in Florida, or you just wanted to see the guys who were giving out the stairways to like A-Rod and stuff in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. Mm. What was that called? Bemco? Belco? Oh, shit. I remember something. It was Ryan Braun and stuff, too, I remember. Yeah, Ryan Braun. Yeah, so we're talking, so for the people listening, we're talking about um, a Netflix, I don't know if it's still out there, but it was basically the story of a doctor back in the day that got his degree in Costa Rica. Something <laughs> like came that, to yeah, the yeah. States, and he was hooking up a bunch of big leaguers um, with with roids and programs and ways to actually skip uh, or bypass, um, you know, the the PED rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was the question? Oh, when I was down in Florida, <laughs> yeah, yeah me and my roommate, yeah, so I lived with my roommate who was also an intern, and we were just interested by that stuff. You know, being in the field, not that we'd ever, not that we'd ever take steroids, but being in the field, you're interested in like South Florida is like a hotbed, right? Mm-hmm, For, mm-hmm. For anti-aging clinics, everything. Yeah, that's what they usually label it yeah. as. They, they say that uh, South Florida is like it's still in the eighties, like yeah. with the like cocaine scene, steroids, yeah. all that shit. It's the just party like, scene, the yeah. Botox, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we were like, "What's up?" Because we watched that documentary one day, mm-hmm. and that night we were like, "Wait, there's those are probably still around, right?" Right. So right. we look up all this anti-aging. Anthony one Bosch, right down right? the block. Anthony, Anthony Bosch, Bosch yeah, is, there, is yeah. the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so funny, man. Yeah. But we just check them out, and it's weird. Like some of them will just have like I don't know if you're familiar with SARMs, like the new, no, like, yep, almost yep, like the yeah. over-counter synthetic mm-hmm. pill of steroids these days. But like some of, them just, some of them will just have them right there on the label when you walk in. Um, so real quick, you brought up SARMs. Mm-hmm. I just want to get this right. Steroids 
you're literally injecting tests into your body, right? Like test cells straight in. Whereas SARMs, you're not injecting, like you can, you can take it through a needle, but it's just making the test easier to get to. Do I have that kind of right or no? Yeah, so I, and I'm by no means uh, an expert in this, but my understanding is steroids versus SARMs, you could take them orally, you could mm -hmm. synthesize them and shoot them up either mm -hmm. way. Um, I know there's a few different methods with the SARMs, but I don't think it's about as much how you administer it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more so about the effects. And I think it, in the grand scheme of things, like we're younger dudes and we're not really into steroids. And obviously, me and CJ are college athletes, so that's not even right. the picture. Yeah, right. But yeah. like, just in terms of getting getting popped, SARMs and steroids are in the same class, and that's really mm -hmm. all I know about it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm still I'm still even confused about like so. Like so what I've what? always been taught is that. SARMs just makes tests more plentiful in the body. So it doesn't, whereas steroids actually inject, that's why it's faster results. SARMs just makes the, uh, like your test cells basically, like more plentiful, more like you can get ready to go. Yeah, that, that would make sense because some people kind of dance around the whole like, oh, I'm taking some SARMs, but it's not steroids. But, it is. No, it is. It is a form Well, you know what's funny? So what our very last uh, day of uh, class this semester with, doc with Dr. Mill at ESU, he brought in a guest speaker and did you bring up Westside Barbell? Yeah, someone we brought up Westside. Yeah, we talked about conjugate. Yeah, I asked him about conjugate systems. So I went down a, like a little bit of a rabbit hole last night. I was looking up some Westside Barbell stuff, and it came to the guy who broke the record for bench press. Um, and it wasn't he doesn't compete in the natural competitions, but they were talking about the different federations, how they have like 19 total federations, or whatever. 12 test, seven don't, or something like, or 12 don't test, seven do test. But he was talking about. How the guys who go to bar like Westside Barbell, they can do whatever they want, but it's all about you know like working hard and making sure that they're dedicating themselves to obtain that goal. He's like, you can go in there. He's like, you can take SARMs, you can take tests, you can take steroids, you can needle up your ass, you can be snorting cocaine on the table. Like I don't even care. That's what this dude was saying. <laughs> mm -hmm. But he said it's all about dedicating yourself and building that mm. you know that whole culture that uh, Louis Simmons built at Westside Barbell. So this is what I always say about steroids. I'm like, if you want to be a bodybuilder and you want to compete like that. I know there's some things that steroids can do to the body, right? Especially, you know, my dad being a chiropractor was always, you know, against it, you know, rightfully mm -hmm. so. But if you're willing, again, dedicating yourself to something and you're willing to go to those lengths and then you're competing against people that do that, I don't really have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to take, you know, precautions, make sure you're doing it right. But the amount of dedication it, it would take, take yeah. to be like Chris Bumstead, Arnold, you know, Luke, you know, even all the guys that lifted at Westside Barbell and breaking all those records, it's not easy. Like, it's not something easy to do, so I don't want anyone to think for a second that those people are any lesser, because those people are dogs, man. Mm. Like, you know, you know, people, like, we know people who do it. We see videos and stuff like, dude, it, what they do, the amount of dedication it's that they have to It's almost harder if you're on it. Almost harder. You can't, like, you can't miss it. You gotta like, dude, be. steroids don't make you bigger. Like, they help you recover, but you still need to eat. You still need to show mm -hmm. up. You still need to push yourself. And mm -hmm. talking about some of the stuff with Westside Barbell, so Louis Simmons really influenced the athletic training world when it came to college sports. He did a lot of stuff with... Uh, bar velocity training you know he didn't have a gym to wear or anything like that but he understood the concept of it so you know you had he kind of introduced training with uh bands training with chains so i know people like you know like clemson and other big time acc sec schools utilize it for football and um for um for baseball so that's so that's pretty cool and i think we can end up talking about some of that stuff but do you have anything to add off of that um yeah so yeah the way so louis simmons and the, and the barbell or the west side barbell stuff is very interesting is it it's an interesting way in how you can... Sorry, sorry, real quick. Did you ever watch West Side vs. the World? Yeah, I know. Yeah. You did watch it? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. 
yeah, they have a whole thing for their own system, and it, it's kind of blown up because it, it is really effective mm-hmm. in what it does. But I guess what I'd say about that is what's really cool, and I think what really blends itself to the athlete world in terms of sports performance and for college athletics, like you mentioned, is the periodization of the different style of lifts. So, so the West Side Barbell will have a max strength day, and they'll have a dynamic effort day. So the max strength, obviously, you're pushing 100% of your 1RM, whatever exercise for the day, mm-hmm. and the dynamic efforts where you mix in the bands, you mix in the chains. Mm-hmm. So in terms of periodizing that for, for team sports and for you know whatever sport it might be being able to hit both of those physical capabilities mm-hmm. whether it be mm-hmm. max strength mm-hmm. and actual speed work mm-hmm. blends itself well to performance on the field because you need to build a strong base but at the same time you need to move things fast because when you do things on the field more times than not real time your, bo- right? your body weight and mm-hmm. you're moving at speed and velocity um so i think the way in which they periodize the two different days they have and however you split that up i mm-hmm. think that blends itself really well to to team sport mm-hmm. training yeah, just kind of tie tie uh, Brent into this. So Brent has been struggling a little bit with getting his bench press up. And when I was walking some biggest, of this stuff with Louis biggest Simmons, enemy. huh? That's the biggest enemy. Biggest enemy Barbell. is the, the two twenty five. Dude, sometimes he's getting it for five. Sometimes he's getting it for one. Yeah, it's super, it's super weird. Dude. But I was talking about and starting this week because again, you know, we were both sick there for a little bit, but now we're, you know we're back in the game. I was talking about you know maybe doing some. We're doing pin. I want to do some pin press. I want to do some stuff with chains. I want to do some more of the stuff you know that because Brent again. When he does his research, when he's watching influencers, they're more so bodybuilding influencers, right? They're not necessarily... 100%. They're yeah. not necessarily uh-huh. guys who are in the athletic training business. And even the guys who influence, you know, like Jesse James West and all, and, and those guys like Bradley... Well, no, Bradley Martin talks about some of this. But some of the guys who kind of just made their living, you know, out of a gym, like on YouTube, they don't really necessarily talk about a lot of the stuff that Louis Simmons talked about. They don't necessarily talk about some of the adaptations that strength coaches go through at the division one, two or three level in order to then initiate or get some of those um, adaptations out of their athletes. So that's why I'm saying like Brent didn't really know about it. And he's like, Oh, like what's a pin press? Like what's, what, what's what would working with bands do? What would working with chains do? But I definitely think, you know, when you cross some of those up, then you just look how Louis Simmons did it. Like, I think that would definitely benefit Brent in the long run mm-hmm. in terms of just getting his bench press up initially because he works it all the time. Cause we know how hard it can be, Especially when you're a high school athlete or you're in college and you don't necessarily have the strength training program like in Juco. And it's like a mental block too. Yeah, like, like how do you get past those like how do you get past those um those blockages or those plateaus? So I mean it's funny. When I was at my grandmother's I found my she found like some of my dad's old lifting stuff. And when we brought it down to the house, it was had some of his like wraps and stuff when he was lifting heavy in the nineties. But I found a note that he wanted to write to Arnold or someone and he was talking about getting past a plateau. And it was funny, he was practicing what he was going to write out in a letter. I think he was like early 20s when he really started lifting heavy. But that's just some of the stuff that not a whole lot of athletes know about that I definitely want to integrate some more um, into my training. Because even when we did it, not to keep rambling on, but when we got halfway through the fall, I know um, Mark put in pin bench press. And I was like, oh, pin bench press. I'm like, what is that going to do? Because you know me, I love full range of motion stuff. Like I don't necessarily like going one way or the other, working just eccentric or just concentric. I like the whole thing. But then my bench press went up after that, mm-hmm. and I didn't even I didn't even do two twenty five on. I was doing like two oh five and pushing from my weak point. Mm-hmm. And once I was able to get through that, now all of a sudden I'm doing like two forty five for a set of three or four. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh holy crap, man! Like I can't believe that worked. Yeah, it's so funny. Now, how, it's funny how that works. The plateau is a big area of conversation. I think one of the biggest things, and 
outside of the gym. So let's take it outside of the gym. If you're at a plateau, what is your nutrition? What is what does your sleep look like? I guess first and foremost, if you're sleeping four to six hours a night, then mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna be at a plateau because you're which just is not, me right now. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's what I was which, telling Brent. Yeah, which is hard because it, it's hard to actually create adaptation, actually get better when you're not letting your body recover. Because mm-hmm. what we're doing in the gym is just breaking us down. What actually makes us better is how, how well we recover, which mm-hmm. is nutrition and sleep. So, what's your advice then? Because this is a problem for me, it's a problem for a lot of people I know. So, this is like, like a huge problem for a lot of people I know. People who work like landscaping or just manual labor jobs during the day. So like right now, I'm like, I'm loading packages at night and work all night. Very, very strenuous. It's a workout in itself. He was smacked in the face with a pair of Jordans last night. Yeah, not fun. Or Air Forces. <laughs> but uh, Off the conveyor, bang, yeah, right in the face. Yeah, that was not fun. So, <laughs> what's your advice for putting on masks? Obviously, eat more. But for someone who works out through a manual labor job eight hours a day and then wants to go to the gym and work out for two hours. Yeah, so you're saying with a manual labor job, especially with the time constraints. The time constraints, that's life. And sometimes, mm-hmm. and this is going back to the Navy SEALs. And this, like, and this also like relates to athletes too because you know you have an athlete who may have, like especially if you're a freshman or sophomore, heavy class schedule. Maybe you're lifting in the morning. Maybe you're lifting at night with your team. But you know, you're in class for you know five to six hours a day sometimes. And then you're studying. So there's a not a whole lot of time for you to sleep, for you to eat, for you to get additional training and recovery. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just compares to both. So go ahead, mm-hmm. Vic. Yeah, so if you have a manual labor job, I think you need to get enough calories and nutrients in to be able to recover from what you're doing. And that's what I was telling Brent, yeah. Yeah, so you're gonna be working for eight hours a day, and then with that, you have to understand the overall volume of what you're doing. So you might, you might not want to do compound lifts five, four times a week because you're always nonstop moving in your job. So maybe one day you have to understand how your body feels. Hey, I'm going to do an accessory day or hey, I'm going to do a machine circuit day or a recovery day, you know, depending on how your body feels. So I think (laughs) nutrition in the forefront is going to have to, the calorie intake is going to have to go up just because you're burning so much. And then just understanding your body when you actually get into the gym. And this kind of goes into in-season training. When you feel good and you maybe had a lighter day, you got to sit down and do computer work at your job one day. Mm that's the day hey let's push some weight let's yeah. see let's see if we could deadlift today let's see if we could mm-hmm. squat today versus if you were you got after and you were moving boxes for eight hours straight okay let's do some accessory work maybe we'll have some arms and buys and tries mm-hmm. today so being able to know what is going on and how your body feels i think i think plays a role in that for mm-hmm. sure i really like that that's a good point yeah the number one thing is brent was just saying i'll oh, do like i'm tired in the way you're now and this is he's only been working this new job for like two weeks or so yeah two and a half weeks so when he first started and of course it's going to take a lot more time than just two and a half weeks for your body to adapt because he's still kind of de- trying to develop a new sleep schedule he doesn't get home till three in the morning and he's wide awake mm-hmm. when he gets mm-hmm. home but the number one thing That's i said tough. i said day one brent and our mom was in the kitchen i'm like dude you, you need to make sure you're eating enough mm-hmm. calories and Brent's like oh really is that it i'm like dude like that is the number one thing and i just compared my experiences so I've had two main trends that I've kind of gone off of when it came to me lifting in the morning, right? So I'd be at Camel, you know, lifting all, or not lifting, but going to class all day, especially my first semester there, and then we're practicing, like, for a ton, right? So when I was trying to gain weight and, like, just in terms of energy, I was waking up at, like, 4.30, I was eating a big bowl of oatmeal, and I was eating, like, four eggs, right? So I was taking that and not doing any caffeine, and honestly, my goal, like, my numbers in the weight room, like, kept going up kept steadily climbing and I had energy doing it. So when we were there that summer, I was getting up like, you know, big bowl oatmeal eggs. I was eating once or twice before we even got into the weight room at like 10, mm. 10.30. And my numbers like skyrocketed. <laughs> and then last year, I really enjoyed lifting at times if we had a 6 a.m. lift where I would lift fasted and I would do a little bit of caffeine. So I know we talked about caffeine and um, advanced exercise physiology this year, 
with Dr. Davis and how it kind of pushes that, um, what is it, like your, like the lactate threshold, like it pushes the curve yeah. a little bit to the yeah, right. Caffeine's going to be mainly have a better benefit for aerobic or long distance training mm-hmm. and the research out there now on caffeine proves that pretty well mm-hmm. but what it doesn't prove as well is anaerobic capacity or yeah. aerobic power especially mm-hmm. short distance like you have that one yeah dead, or deadlift yeah. or bench mm-hmm. the research is not great on that but hey i'm a caffeine guy i'm on caffeine right now now i'm uh-huh. eating eggs and i'm doing the caffeine <laughs> yeah. so don't yeah. win dude yeah, yeah. so and then what i was going to compare that to was that when i was in junior college so in junior college i wasn't doing a whole lot of carbs i was big into the keto scene i was really trying to get my mental health up um and it actually worked so i had some i could talk about that another day don't have research but i have a little bit of evidence to support it but um i was getting up i was doing coffee right i was doing a, a fat bomb coffee i was doing a little bit of coffee and some butter and then i would go and i would run and i'd go on the treadmill i was going on for like 30 40 minutes and that was like my morning routine and that's what i love to do i would do a couple miles at different at varying intensities but then of course when i got into the weight room later that day like my strength numbers were just not going up whether it was bench whether it was squat right i was working full range of motion but i was stuck at 188 pounds i obviously wasn't consuming enough but then just the amount of aerobic work that i was doing and we talk about you know um, mTOR and PGC1-alpha when we're working those two different kinds of energy systems or when it comes to um, muscle building. And I was really struggling with that. So again, those are just my two experiences from one extreme to the other in terms of eating before lift, just doing caffeine before an aerobic lift and how that affected my anaerobic performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you think about the physiological adaptation you're trying to chase. So for example, if he's trying to, if he's running every morning and mm-hmm. then he's trying to get strong and, this dig, is not gonna work. and build muscle mm-hmm. later in the day, yeah, you're. Just, it's really hard you need to, to chase. You so. need to up your calorie intake yeah. like tenfold in and order you, to do that. Just to make sure you're so, recovering. Yeah, and even so, with a lot of calories, you're just not being optimal mm-hmm. in what you're trying to train. That's mm-hmm. the concept of periodization, right? It's just yeah. like chasing adaptations at specific times to build the most you can out of it, and then move forward onto different things. It's mm-hmm. so like, and then if you break it down even further with the pathways, mm-hmm. I remember we talked about this one day, but I'm not as clear on this as you are. But mm-hmm. to my understanding, if you open up that mTOR pathway in aerobic training. Mm-hmm. Early in the day, that mTOR pathway stays open in terms of how it you, does in terms of how it you does nutrients, right? So then it's harder to build that. Well, mass. so yeah, it's weird. So actually, I think what they want, what they say to do, if you have, they say if you have to, they don't necessarily recommend it, but of course, cross country, uh, track and field, they're going to be doing a decent amount of running where their lactate threshold in terms of intensity is pushed, their VO2 max is pushed, right? past the 70% of your VO2 max, that's pushed. So you know you're getting that intensity in early in the day, all right? That a lot of times, depending on whether you're a long distance track runner, like 400 meter cross country, or whether you're like a 100 meter sprinter, right? If you wanna get the most training benefits, they say train aerobically in the morning, they say, but then they say you need to take ample rest time in between. They need to make sure you're getting enough calories, sufficient calories, but then you're not lifting until the later part of the day because then you can open that mTOR pathway and then actually recover to where you're receiving that adaptation. And of course, you know, we can bring Dr. Moyer on here and he could talk all day about it. Yeah. Like he'll give us he'll give us a three hour lecture because I want to make sure, you know, I'm not <laughs> screwing this up. But if you were to open the mTOR pathway earlier in the day and you would do strength training, you need the recovery time. Because when you're talking about aerobic training and actually building muscle, right? Stimulating muscle growth, achieving hypertrophy, right? Um, muscle regenesis. You need to make sure that you have the rest time, that you have the calories in there so that when that mTOR pathway opens, you're getting the full benefit. Because if you open the mTOR pathway, now all of a sudden you're going to go try and do aerobic training. You're going to go run a couple miles trying to actually push. And you do push past that VO2 
70% of your VO2 max, then all of a sudden your body's like, all right, now we need to open um, your PGC1 alpha, and that interferes with mTOR. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, especially if I was running in the morning, and then I wasn't getting ample rest time, and I was trying to lift, it just wasn't working out for me. Mm -hmm. Now again, like, I had some really good years in junior college, I'm not trying to, you know, knock on that, but that I think I got by on a lot of natural quickness, like you know how I am, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that you know, that's my take on that in terms of yeah. um, I think training it's definitely adaptations. possible. And you think about people like I don't know if you know these guys, but guys like Nick Bear that I like. He's a former uh, Army Ranger. Um, David, yeah, David Goggins. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nick right? Bear yeah. is he is he a fitness influencer he, on YouTube? Man, he's he's huge on everything. I mean, he's an entrepreneur. Is he a key? I think. He started out, I guess, as a YouTuber. He was still in the military at the time. Um, yeah, I started I following him way back in the day. Yeah, hybrid athlete. Yeah, yeah so he's he awesome. Both. Yeah, so he right now he's training for more like triathlete, mm -hmm. hundred mile runs. You know those crazy, mm -hmm. crazy stuff like that. But he still weight trains on a weekly mm -hmm. basis. So from what I understand from from seeing some of his stuff, and he's really good at exactly what we're talking mm -hmm. about being able to do the aerobic and strength training at the same time he's like mastered it because he's been doing it for so long um but yeah he'll do his he'll do his running or cycling or whatever or swimming mm -hmm. uh usually early in the day and then mm -hmm. he'll do a uh like a weight training session at night yeah mm -hmm. the volume's usually never crazy but he's still huge <laughs> but he's he's just some people just got it yeah, yeah he's got it, it is, but, but no nah, he's but, an animal because we were talking about this a little bit, so me getting back to training, especially after taking you know four to five weeks off, mm -hmm. and we were talking about like the body's need or the body's ability to maintain strength, you know, over over a period of time. So that I don't really know how that relates to what I'm going to say, and that's definitely a conversation that I want to have in, in a little bit here. Mm -hmm. But what do you think the volume needs to be, or what do you, yeah, what do you think the minimum volume is? that we need to achieve if we're just working on primarily like intensity, like we're working like one to two rep stuff. Like if we're a power athlete, right? Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure we're building muscle. What's the nutrition nutritional requirements? And then what's like the minimal volume that you think we need to achieve? Whether it's superset, rest redistribution, anything like that. Because I know some people can lift like one to two reps and then they can get pretty jacked. You know, they may not be as chiseled as they want to be, but they can get pretty huge. But it's just then what does the nutri your nutrition, I feel like it needs to be a little more spot on. Because that's almost like what Nick Bear does. So can you lift one to two reps, right? Be more a power speed-based athlete, mm -hmm. right? You maybe you have like you have like a minimal volume, right? You're really working your compound lifts. You're really going heavy. You're eating a ton, but then you're also running however many miles in the morning where you can then burn that fat off. So is there a combination that we can achieve, right? Where we're running in the morning, we're burning off fat. Maybe we're intermittent fasting, eating a ton of food the second half of the day, training with a, at a super high intensity with a lower volume, and then restarting the cycle early in the morning to then achieve what we're trying to get. Yeah. I feel like that's how it would have to work, right? Yeah, this is almost like a golden oh, question. Oh, yeah, right there, right? Mind blown. This is like the golden question. If I had the answer to this one, I'd be, I, I wouldn't be, I'd be, I'd be in the you wouldn't be on Olympic, our podcast. I'd be in the Olympic Rogan. training center somewhere, right? You'd be yeah. training but, with Bumstead. But this is, uh, this is, you'd a, be training Bumstead. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he'd be telling Bumstead what to do. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's a, that's a great question, dude. Wait, so, so rephrase that one more time. Okay. Dude. Big so question. obviously, if you want to gain muscle, right? You want to gain lean muscle mass. Obviously, your volume is going to need to be a little bit higher. You're probably training anywhere from like how 60, many sets, 60 right? to 80% your one rep max. And your total volume, we need to be what? 
24 to 32 okay, I reps. Got it, I got it. How okay. little? How little can you do? Yes, while still maximizing and, benefits. Mm, because we, yeah, we want to look like Nick Bear. Yeah, we want to look. Wording. We want to look Jack too. Remember. Yeah. So obviously, then we have to eat enough because you need. You know, you need to replenish the muscles. Mm-hmm. But then, if you're not doing the high volume, then how are we chiseling the muscles down? Mm-hmm. How are we burning fat? Yes. Then that's in. Then that happens in the morning. Then when we're training hard you know yes. endurance wise anaerobic or yeah. aerobically so how little can we do in the weight room while still maximizing benefits and this is a concept i'm working through and you know it takes experience and practice mm-hmm. i'm working through with my women's basketball team at ASU mm-hmm. right now yep. because they don't want to be in the gym for over 30 minutes 45 mm-hmm. minutes right they want to focus on getting their output on the court yeah so like which is which is you know primarily the uh, mindset or common or the common mindset that a lot of field and court like athletes have mm-hmm. so not so much baseball and football but more so basketball soccer mm-hmm. lacrosse so that's just their mindset not women's basketball in particular but most field sports so go ahead yeah just and wanted respe- to clarify yeah and respectfully so because i mean we're not weightlifters right we're we're baseball players yeah right and, mm-hmm. yeah right they're not weightlifters they're basketball players but there has to be a give and take there because yeah. strength conditioning offers so much benefits yeah and they, and they have a high aerobic capacity right because they're sprinting all day long so rightfully so their energy is going to be a lot lower than a baseball player who just took some ground balls and and took some BP. Not to say that's what our practices are, but but yeah. yeah. But getting back to your question, so the way I think about this and the, the way certain physical capabilities fall off, so this is well researched, and I think it goes back to like the Russian old Soviet stuff back mm, in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but strength, you hit a one good strength workout, a one RM or whatever it might be, that strength and whatever that number is is going to hold on for about a month, and it depends on the training age of the mm-hmm. athletes and a lot of thing. Something a lot of people don't know about this study, which is like well regarded in how we train athletes um that study was done with olympic level athletes mm-hmm. so yeah. a, a, a d2 college women's basketball team strength might fall out yeah. fall mm-hmm. off in 14 days mm-hmm. yeah right but it's a good way to at least mm-hmm. have a scale so like, well, especially the soviets they probably weren't running a whole lot and they had a needle up their butt most of the time exactly it was included <laughs> in their program the warm-up yeah, it's just not a chocolate training program yeah <laughs> Yeah, but uh, the that way stuff, I think about stuff it is interesting. Yeah, though. it is. The That's way I, Simmons. The way I think about it is, so if I know strength falls off every mm-hmm. thirty days, I want to touch. And for the women's basketball team, it might be different, right? And it depends on their schedule. But maybe mm-hmm. if I can hit like two really good strength days, um, in a whole month. So mm-hmm. like. A movement I feel comfortable with, which is they're well trained with already. Say a trap bar deadlift. Mm-hmm. If I can get above seventy, eighty percent on mm-hmm. a trap bar deadlift, and I can do that twice in a month i'm pretty happy with the way their strength is sticking Mm. and for example um since i allowed so much time for that strength base while they're doing so much on the Mm -hmm. court for example earlier this week i had two girls pr and trap bar deadlift all time and that's really they're in the middle of a season oh wow they're in the middle of a season because i backed off on strength yeah focused on power yeah focus on more speed work speed speed work um, yeah knees ankles hips breaking down some of the like one to two rep range Kind yeah. of like that. So, so wait, what was your total volume then at this point in your fate? Or well, first of all, did you start this more speed training in the preseason or once you got in season? And then how did you manipulate the volume as you progressed? And then as you manipulated the volume, of course, now you're working 95%, you know, for one plus whatever during this little bit of downtime. So, I mean, talk about what you were going to talk about, but I also want to hear that. No, that's okay. no, no, that, that's a good question. So I want to make sure they're acclimated. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure they're... When we're in season, I want to work with exercises that one they're used to, and two I could prescribe proper proper reps, yeah. volume, mm-hmm. load, things like that. So like that first two months, which is not a lot of time before a whole season, mm-hmm. I had with them. Mm-hmm. I focused on um, movement quality, technique, and all the important mm-hmm. exercises. You know, squat, mm-hmm. hinge, press, pull, and I also focused on at least a, a decent foundation of strength. 
Because this way I have a really good precursor of yeah. technique and movement mm-hmm. quality to then work on mm-hmm. unilateral, side-to-side rotation, speed, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, right? So first and foremost, acclimate them properly. Um, movement quality and strength and make sure they get a good idea of kind of the exercise. Yeah, for like all teams. female athletes too, I think that's super yeah. important. That's how you know I'm training my sister right mm-hmm. now, like acclimation phase. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think that serves its purpose in the forefront. And then when I kind of get into the season, so this was a thing I had to play with and kind of kind of what I'll get at is where I'm at now. So just this week we started some pre-practice lifting and this is a concept I think of as microdosing. So if you think of a macro dose you throw a lot at them and you create a lot of soreness and stress mm-hmm. and then hopefully over time that adaptation increases, right? So microdosing is just small little hits. So for example, um, and this is something I got from Corey Schlesinger, he's uh, currently with the Phoenix Suns, their head strength conditioning guy. Who was at Stanford, right? You said. Was at Stanford, and, and this kind of blends into PJF. Paul Favorites is a popular basketball trainer, too. So those are the kind of go-to guys for me, which I've learned from to kind of help with mm-hmm. what I'm doing with the women's basketball team. But, um, yeah, so it's this concept of microdosing. So I'll mm-hmm. throw small hits at them. So, like, for example, earlier this week we had our lift on Monday. We had a game on Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to make them too sore, but I also want to get a training effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was the day. We haven't hit heavy lifts in almost three weeks, so I knew this was the day because we have a busy schedule of games midweek and weekend coming up the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. So I know I had to make sure I hit some kind of strength. Is the only day we could do it. Um, so I'd have a, a block of, of almost like introductory stuff like even like kind of get their minds going a little bit so like if i if i get on a pull-up bar and i don't even do pull-ups i just move side to side like monkey bars mm-hmm. like yeah. well that's kind of a weird exercise mm-hmm. but then yeah. my upper body and my shoulders are fired mm-hmm. up okay i hit my upper body it's good enough keep in mind this has to be under 20 30 minutes because i gotta get them in and out and they're going yeah. to practice mm-hmm. so get on the monkey bars. at least it's before practice that's yeah. how i say at least right. it's before practice yeah. yeah so that's something new so like get on the monkey bars do something like oh why am i doing that and then let's work on let's work on some landing mechanics make sure we're landing in good positions huge for basketball players pretty mm-hmm. underrated mm-hmm. people can jump high that's great work on your vertical mm-hmm. but if you can't land you're in trouble mm-hmm. and that's that's when you start seeing a lot of issues with acl not even just with female athletes, but with male athletes. Like I know a bunch of people who got their ACL injuries as basketball players, so maybe they, you know, definitely a low training age if they have even trained at all in high school, where they land wrong and then all of a sudden, you know, that's so when the I, entire all ligaments in the knee just kind of, you know, rip apart. Exploding. I like that you brought that up though too, because like even today I was doing pull ups and like holds, and uh, just that motion of because I go to failure right, so I'm, I'm on there until I drop literally, but that ringing you get. In your ankles when you drop to the ground like suddenly oh, and you hit the yeah, ground like yeah, yeah. so you, you have some advice on that or like how to prevent that and make that better <clears throat> yeah oof, we can go into a lot here <laughs> um, so uh yeah well with the women's basketball team because the ankle the ankle complex I mean, you know it plays a part in all sports but you think about basketball the ankle complex and the joint is really it's important and people know that in basketball but it's undervalued in terms of what it does and what it's made up of it's has some, it, it is comprised of some of the, the most bones and joints we have mm-hmm. in the whole yeah. body right so like we also think about think about the shoes we have on right now mm-hmm. we have a protective layer with our socks and then we have shoes that have a heel and have all this support mm-hmm. right and then you yeah, also take into account the curvature of people's feet, whether they're flat-footed, yeah. whether they're inverted or whatever. 
Yep, their so, gait cycle and how thing. they walk. Mm-hmm. But you're depriving your feet, and now I'm getting into barefoot training. I don't know how this happened, but it is. <laughs> now, now we're, we're, we're not do, bad about it. Think about think about my hands, right? I could feel this table, like I could do all these things. Mm-hmm. I could feel that water bottle's cold. You that's like cold. that table? I made that yeah, table. That's my grandfather, <laughs> bro. It's homemade. I could tell when I touched it. That's what I'm talking. About. <laughs> you know what? That, that's proprioception, my friend. Yeah. Right. So I have proprioception in my hands because we're always touching things, all this stuff. So like the way I think about our shoes and our feet. I if I was to go and type on a typewriter or type whatever with gardening gloves on, mm-hmm. how would you be able to type on that? You wouldn't know where you're yeah, going. Yeah. You'd be mm-hmm. touching all these buttons, right? You'd have no sense mm-hmm. of what you're doing. That's proprioception, mm-hmm. right? So when we have our shoes and socks on all day, every day, we have these gardening gloves on when we type. Mm-hmm. We have, wow, we have, yeah. We have Damn, no, yeah, dude, you just blew my mind. Yeah. It's like a three AM basement conversation, yeah. right? Yeah, we, and that's a good analogy. And I stole that. I stole that from uh, the people I was t- I was talking about PGF. But that's and, really- and well, Mark and Mark with um, the Village Fitness, which I can touch on a little bit. Like he's he's big into that. I know you just did a workout with him, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things you primarily worked on. And dude, in all these training videos, because people have been reposting them a lot, I'm like, dude, why do all these people in bare feet? Mm-hmm. Like, because it's funny because we there's this one of our coaches in junior college. And he, he's the basketball coach, not, not the strength coach, right? He tried to run them through strength as the best he could for a junior college coach. But he's like, training barefoot in the weight room, don't do it. It's not a thing. And even with what Mumford said, um, yep, Mumford and yep, Davis, yep, when we were yep. in our lab, like it's a liability waiting to happen. And it's totally true, right? It really is. You don't get your skin sucked off in a, on an, um, what is it called? A, um, a treadmill, right? Yep. But all right, keep hear, going because it's definitely you know definitely some benefits to it. Yeah, you'll hear you'll hear that everywhere. I mean, with any like with any training method, no matter if it's great, bad, indifferent, whatever, there's always going to be people that mm-hmm. think differently about it, and that's mm-hmm. just you know that's that's some of the ways it's just how it goes. But yeah, what I was getting at, so like we have shoes and socks on all day. We have sensory organs in our feet, mm-hmm. just like we have sensors. How I can feel different materials with my hands, and we're covering them up all day long. Back mm-hmm. to the caveman days, they didn't have mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Right? They they were able to feel the ground, feel the earth with every step they took. Mm-hmm. So like we're taking so much away from how we feel with our feet, and how does that affect us? That affects all those joints going on in mm-hmm. our ankle. And then what does motion start with? It's ground ground force mm-hmm. for how we translate force from the ground up. Mm-hmm. So if you just think about it from that kind of on a small scale, like I want to be able to feel things in my feet so then I could get my joints moved properly in my ankle and yeah. then I could transfer transfer forces up the chain. Right, That's the first step. So if we're depriving the first step of really movement, especially when we talk about basketball, and we never feel our feet and how we feel things, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But that, that's, that's kind of yeah. how I think about it. And a women's basketball tra- uh, team has been training with no shoes for a long time. All right, so like the big thing I want to talk about was we know several girls uh, who were great basketball slash soccer athletes. It's like tragic stories, bro. When you who all either ripped their ACL at least one time and some of them multiple times. One, one even both ACLs, Dude, right? I know one chick who tore both of her ACLs twice. Um, we have, you know, our cousin's going through some stuff right now where she's had mm-hmm. two ACL surgeries already and as a result of... You know, the physical therapy that she was put through now, she's and, having problems with her meniscus, of this course. this might not have a correlation, but all these girls excelled in their sports. Like, so they're like, the think of them as the main ball handler, like the main, like, basically mm-hmm. top scorer. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that has anything to do with it, but what's, what's your thoughts on that? I think that does have something to do with it. And it's funny that you mention that is because usually what makes you, what makes you different or unique is what makes you good mm-hmm. at yeah. sports. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like... 
the fact that they had a, an injury ended up happening to them means some, there was something missing along the line, mm-hmm. but that's something missing, whether it be ankle range of motion or their hips were too mobile or whatever it might have been, probably is what made them really successful at the sport in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's an important point to mention that it's, that really blends itself to working with high-level baseball players because they're freaks mm-hmm. in terms of range of motion, mm-hmm. but yeah. they're really good. And it's hard to keep them safe. But your question, ACL stuff. Okay, so what I'll say is like, first of all, this happens at all levels. Mm -hmm. So even if you're with some of the best trainers, some things are just bound to happen. I think there's something, and this is just my theory, I think there's something hormonally Mm -hmm. that's going on with females and the way their hips are set up. Mm -hmm. So we can go back to like Q angle, the angle at which the femurs come down. Mm-hmm. So if I have femurs come down like this, females naturally have a tighter Q angle because mm-hmm. of birth yeah. giving hips, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So that provides a certain angle at the knee joint, which is valgus pointing in. Yes, pretty, yes, yes, pretty, yes. Mm-hmm. Which you notice that you can you notice that in a lot of women too. If you just watch their gait cycle, mm-hmm. right? But that predisposes them to some knee stuff. So it could be depend on that and some of the hormones. But in terms of and this happens at every level, right? So I don't want to think anybody's doing anything wrong mm-hmm. or don't take my yeah, words. Yeah, it happens to everyone. Yeah, don't take my words. More so, you know, dude. female athletes, but, you know, we're, we're discussing and trying to figure out why, so. Yeah, we're just spitballing, right? So, like, don't take don't take my words. And <laughs> Spitting and on the mic, man. Yeah, don't take my words and just go, and, okay, I'm going to do a training program for the ACL now and what he says. But, like, some of the things I try to take into consider, because obviously we're in the women's basketball team, you have to take knees into consideration. Mm-hmm. And, unfortunately, we have had some knee injuries while I've been the strength coach, which is terrible but that's a learning experience and that's things mm-hmm. we can move you know and again not necessarily because of you no not, not, not by not any means yeah <laughs> not at all it's just i was a part of the process and it could have been a lot of different things whether it be yeah chronic or acute to chronic workload how much stuff were they doing on the court how much were they sleeping but some of the things in terms of training that i think are important when it comes to preventing some of the acl mm-hmm. stuff is like i said before about the ankles it all starts from the ground up so if you have limited ankle range of motion or mobility in certain ranges, whatever, however you want to test that, that means you're not transferring forces from the ground up. What's the next joint it's going to hit? It's going to hit the knee. So if your ankle's off, then things are happening at the knee that you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. And then if you double up on that concept that I'm running with, you have ankle limitations, you have hip mm-hmm. limitations or deficiencies, then what's taking all the brunt of the movement and the rotation? Yeah. Your knee, mm-hmm. right? So you have to think about the ankle and the hip and the th- way things work up the chain. Two, I think hamstring strength, if we talk about quad to hamstring ratio, it's well studied. Um, and I, I wouldn't speak well about, upon like the percentages and things of that nature, but like usually um, females are going to have more quad dominance mm-hmm. in everything they do. So the way that affects the knee is like, We'll have um, you know tibial displacement. I don't want to go too much into it, but we'll have we'll have bones moving ways they shouldn't be because of quad mm-hmm. dominance. Versus if we activate and engage our posterior chain more, um, we tend to solidify things better at the knee joint. Hmm. So if we talk about quad hamstring ratio, make sure you're hitting posterior chain. Posterior chain is king for 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 team sports and athletic <laughs> movements, in my opinion. Um, and then one thing I'll touch on is just when you train them, if you were to train girl athletes and you're trying to get them rid of ACLs, some recent research has come out that says if you train on different surfaces throughout the year, throughout a timeline, mm-hmm. it actually has really good benefits. So like mm-hmm. if you're yeah. doing sprints on a track one day, that's great. 
um, next week, let's sprint on the dirt outside. Mm-hmm. And then after that, let's work on some grass. Mm-hmm. And then let's hit the hardwood. So being able to vary surfaces, some people think it's kind of scary and the stuff with turf is interesting. Right. Um, but if you vary surfaces in your training and you know acclimate and accommodate accordingly, that has shown to provide um, some pretty good benefits in terms of uh, injury reduction too. Mm. And one thing that I'll definitely say about this, and this is something that our dad is actually pretty Excuse big on. We'll, we'll have to have him on to talk about all this kind of stuff. But let's think about high-level um, female athletes in high school, right? Even in college, when they're on their own. When they're on their own, right? They don't have a training program. What do they typically do in their free time? Um, did you say college athletes? Well, um, high school female athletes. When okay. they work out, what do they what do they typically do? Yeah, that's scary. Well, think about it. Well, what do they do? <laughs> that's scary. They do one thing. They do the one thing. Cards. What do they do? Uh, they'll probably do some bridges, try to get some booty gains or something. All right, besides that, besides that. What, what's tell the one thing tell that they do? Squat. No, they run. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Female oh, yeah. Yeah, athletes yeah, yeah. in high school. Correct, and this, correct, is, correct, this correct. isn't everyone, right? We're just talking about stuff that we've seen, um, information that we've gathered, right? Issues that my dad has seen with patients coming in. When what they do is when you're running a ton, right? You're activating on particular systems. When we're talking about PGC1 Alpha, we're talking about mTOR, right? And you run and you run and you run. And then all of a sudden you're going into a field sport, right? What did you really do, right? You increased your your aerobic capacity, right? You're now eight, you have way more endurance. You have a surplus of mitochondria, right? You're able to process oxygen at a high level. But what's one thing you didn't work on? You didn't work on cutting. You didn't work on insulating the knee. You didn't work on the landing mechanics and the jumping mechanics that you just discussed, right? So you go from that, right? And you run and you run and you run. And all of a sudden, your legs, you know, become a little bit weaker. You're not doing any strength training. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to do cutting sports, right? You hit your preseason, and now all of a sudden, everything hits you at once. You start having knee problems. You start having knee pain. And that isn't alleviated throughout the whole season because they're not like pains that you just started doing something again. They're pain because something in your knee or in your hip or in your ankle or in your foot is not working correctly. And then what do girls do once they get the ACL surgery and they're now cleared to do stuff on their own? What do they do? They run. They run again. They run again, and the cycle repeats itself. So some of these um, athletes that I know had multiple, multiple ACL surgeries, they weren't strength training in between these injuries. They were running, and they were good runners. Right? Some of them ran cross-country and won medals, and then they go on the soccer field. And when they were healthy, they were the best player on the soccer field or on the basketball court, right? But it was so hard for them to stay healthy. And it's like, did we change what we did in between? Did we do the right kind of strength training? If you did, you know, strength training, were you training more volume based or were you training more bar velocity based where you're actually trying to get stronger? You're trying to develop power, right? So that's just one thing. Because we know that just because you're training, you have a a higher volume, right? Because a lot of, you know, women, when they think about, you know, training, again, not everyone, but a lot of times, what the thing is, I want to be ripped. I'd rather be more ripped and toned. I don't want to get bulky. Mm -hmm. Well, the bulkiness, first of all, it's going to be a long time before you get bulky. It's, It's a harder thing to do. But I've been trying to get bulky for 10 years. You are bulky. I'm I'm big girls dude. refuse to train upper body because they don't want to be bulky. I'm like, you don't <laughs> well, even know. That's where the benefits, well, it's like, that's where the benefits come, especially when you're training um, your lower half. And I think it's essential. Like, I think weight training for females should kind of stray away from, you know, stuff that's more high volume based to, you know, strictly power. So what I'm doing with my sister right now, I'm trying to do the best, trying to acclimate her for college field hockey. And of course, with field hockey, there's not as much cutting, right? It's probably provides the least amount of stress out of all the field sports, um, especially for women um, when it comes to field hockey. But I skipped, because how my brother and I trained, we did like a eight rep phase, we did like a 12 to 15 rep phase, and then we dropped it back down to three reps. 
I'm not even training her in the eight to 12 rep range. I'm going right to the strength phase. We're going right to six reps, right? We're gonna try and add some weight on. We're gonna drop down to four reps before I then progress the program any further. But I wanna make sure you have strong legs, right? We're doing a ton of landing mechanics, right? We're not jumping so much that we develop shin splints, that we develop issues with our lower half, but I wanna make sure that you're ready for the college level, you're being stronger and you have better landing mechanics. Yeah. That's number one for no, me as a coach. really well said. And going back to that point <laughs> of just girls running in high school, which is so common. And if that's not you, we're sorry. Like, but yeah. you know, this, you know, overall. General. But yeah, and I'll start this by saying, I'm not hating on running. I think run and long, slow distance running is great, especially. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's good for a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. Our main professor at ESU literally runs marathon after marathon and she's like, the healthiest person but she also doesn't go and play soccer then in her free time right yeah. she doesn't go play three hours of soccer a day yeah. so it's just different things for different people different uh, training methods exactly that's all we're doing and it also depends on the demands of sport but like if you think about you know say we have a female athlete that wants to aspire to play college athletics mm -hmm. and if you think about her, her total training workload and everything everything she does outside of sport is just long slow distance running um, there's probably some things we want to work on mm -hmm. in terms of how she moves and mm -hmm. what she does and all she's going to do in terms of running is compress, redo the same mm -hmm. pattern, redo the same pattern, redo the same pattern. So if we're, we talk about ankle stuff a lot, if she has something where I don't like about her ankle, if it's like she has no arch and she's pronated, which could lead to problems, all she's going to do is be pronated when she runs. So she's going to compress and replicate that strategy of moving mm -hmm. over and over and over and she's going to get stuck in it. So like in terms of getting into the weight room, and I think this, mm -hmm. this blends itself really well to like a concept called acute to chronic workload. Mm -hmm. So like say your sister, she's gonna go if she didn't do any of this training with you and she went to mm -hmm. ball state it is mm -hmm. right yep she went to ball state she didn't get any experience in the weight room or any experience of high level like plyometrics and cutting mm -hmm. and stuff and just did running mm -hmm. like for example this imaginary female athlete we're talking about um and she didn't do any of that her acute workload which is like what happens in a short duration mm -hmm. of time so mm -hmm. her acute workload when she gets a ball state is going to go boom mm -hmm. skyrocket mm -hmm. one of the biggest indicators of uh injury and this is why so many freshmen get to school mm -hmm. college athletics and get injured because their acute workload went boom i've never done this before and now i'm spending 10 hours on the field and i'm spending five hours <laughs> yeah that's for everybody that happens at every right? level everybody's gonna have to deal with that when they get to college mm -hmm. but the better you can prepare them for that which is exactly what you're doing is going to allow the chronic workload which is chronic as long and in duration over time if you can get her started now her mm -hmm. chronic workload in the weight room and things are working on her building building mm -hmm. building when she get there there's going to be a spike in a queue mm -hmm. but what she's going to have is she's going to be ready mm -hmm. right if, if you just go and you just go and send it into a weight room the queue's going to spike and bad mm -hmm. things happen so in terms of chronic workload is what i think about which is what made this thing made me think about this. I think you're putting her in a good spot in in that realm as well. Yeah, I hope so, man. I'm am just trying to, I'm just trying to help her out. And you know, weightlifting's fun. So the benefits of that you especially see from adaptations, like the first two weeks that you're training, of course, go through the roof. So and that and that's huge for confidence. And I remember when we started lifting, we did some lifting with um, the eighth grade basketball team back when we had you know seventh and eighth grade basketball. You know, our coach literally said, Coach Post, man, he said, you know, this isn't gonna give you beach muscles. What is going to give you is confidence. Like, you're not going to get beach muscles from lifting in here. You know, we're all, I'm 5'11", you know, full of muscle as it is already. I was like 140 pounds soaking wet. But they were like, hey, it's going to give you some confidence. So I remember I would go and I would do, um, we would do uh, all the leg machines. We would try and max out, like, the, the machine leg extension. Oh, God. <laughs> but we would kind of just angle our legs so they were already straight. We would just push. Yeah. And then we would do just leg extensions until, like, 
our quads like pop and then I'd be run out on the court but like, oh dude I feel like I can jump you know, so high I'm, and I would like I could jump pretty well at the time so we'd be going up I'd be like throwing the ball off the rim acting like I was about to dunk <laughs> I'm but, glad you just said that because some guy the other day I, I wasn't Bumstead but it was some uh, big influencer and he was like if you're doing a machine the right way you're never maxing it out <laughs> and I was like that's so true I hate when people go in the gym and like oh what's your max uh, pull down like what? Yeah. No, like you should, that's <laughs> always a red down. thing. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, nah. Yeah, they should be smacked for just even asking that. about that. Yeah, maxing out on machines. What's you your uh, bet? What's your? Because yeah, in high school we all did it, bro. What's oh, your close? What's your leg press? Because what's your leg press? press is, dude? Like you gotta do that shit the right way. Like that's how I look yeah. at it. <laughs> yeah, Word, yeah. I have not trained. I'll be honest. I have not trained much with machines mm-hmm. like ever in my okay. life. Because you just look at like mm-hmm. generally like. Um, you know, they say free weight training it has better involvement in terms of whole body mm-hmm. stability and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, when you talk about team sports and performance, like, a lot of people tend to use free weights. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's something I'm interested in. I want to, because personally, I want to get on some machines. Mm-hmm. And See, I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Like, I love machines just for, like, the ISO movements. So, like, yes, you, it get, isolates it. you get me on pull downs and shit, or uh, rows. One arm rows where I'm just like feeling the movement, one arm in and out. So that's why like I really because some of the guys I follow when I first started lifting were all about machine work. Like they lifted in gyms with one bench, so they kind of learned how to use the machines and shit. Mm-hmm. So I think machines just give you that concentration contraction, mm-hmm. whereas like some of the okay, so like when you're doing a row, it works. It's gonna work everything, right? It's gonna work back. Uh, you're even gonna feel in your biceps, right? But it's not the same as doing a um preacher curl or something where it's focused so i just think that if you're like in a bodybuilding phase and you want those beach muscles machines are super important and that it gives you that focus and that concentration i like that what do you think about a mind muscle connection much better on machines i feel like yeah so you when you lift especially when you do high reps and it's like those grinders you're like wow i don't want to do this anymore (laughs) yeah are are, do you Mm -hmm. really think about like Mm -hmm. your muscle actually growing like some of the stuff arnold schwarzenegger 100 percent. yeah Mm -hmm. that's dope man see i i like that and i haven't done that i'm more just like give me the smelling salts and let me try to get this bar right right so here Real quick, all right. So a lot of times, and we, we talked about this a few times. We talked about it in the Mills class. We talked about it in Moyer's class. A lot of times, we don't really train athletes for aesthetics at all, right? We don't train them high, super high volume. Right? We don't want them to get bigger. I think football is really the only sport that really trains their athletes to get bigger. But a lot of times, they're not necessarily getting ripped, but they're getting like big and they're getting bulky, right? Because that you know you need that to play football. But when you talk about all this, you talk about the mind-muscle connection and all the stuff we've been talking about, right? Because I think you can almost use machines as a training, like the pin, bench press, like bands, like chains, right? Because you can overload it and then you can work at a lower weight, which is still higher than what your previous one rep max is, right? Because you can work 110% on a machine or 120% on a machine of what your one rep max is on flat bench, right? Because you go on a machine, now all of a sudden it's stabilized for you and you can just Like the incline press machine. Like the incline press machine. Brent's over there doing four plates on each side Mm -hmm. and then his regular, you know, bench or incline bench press for one is like 225 for one or two reps. So do you think that there is any benefit to training, I don't want to say aesthetics, but training some more of the mind-muscle connection stuff, 12 to 15 reps, working it in to a college strength program for, say, a baseball player, a soccer player, or whatever. Yeah, I think in terms of when you think generally <laughs> mm-hmm. and the way you want to periodize the way you 
program and train mm-hmm. athletes. You want that. Mm-hmm. This is kind of what you're talking about: training to failure, mm-hmm. that eight to twelve plus mm-hmm. rep range. That's going to be hypertrophy. So you're chasing muscle mass, muscle growth. Because mm-hmm. what happens when you can put that muscle on, and however long your phase or block is, or how, however long mm-hmm. you're going to do that, you put a good base of muscle on. However much you put on, then you use that to actually help in strength and get higher one, two, three rep mm-hmm. max lifts. Yeah. Put more muscle on to produce more force. And then you think about the muscle you put on, the force you can now produce. Mm-hmm. Now you go do velocity based yeah. training. The next thing you know, yeah, hundred percent. Next thing you know, you're ten pounds heavier. You're producing however many more newtons of force, mm-hmm. and now you're doing it fast and on yeah. the field yeah. and in season. So that's kind of how generally how it works. Put on muscle and hypertrophy. Yeah. Hypertrophy is a little bit tougher because you know, of course, when your coaches want you to be, your coaches want your players to be 100% right. They don't want them really feeling sore. Of course, being sore is something you're gonna have to work through in the fall, right? Because you're working towards you know, getting yourself ready for the season. So especially in baseball, there was a bunch of instances in the fall where we're super sore, right? And sometimes our coach would be like, all right, I know you guys had a rough week in the weight room. Maybe we'll dial it back here. But of course, when you're training hypertrophy, you may be sore more often. But then I think back to, you know, and of course, these guys use steroids. So the recovery was through the roof. You know, you have McGuire, <laughs> Bonds, Sosa. But even guys today like who aren't using steroids, at least, you know, that we think, Judge, Stan, these dudes are huge, right? They obviously train to hypertrophy in some respect, right? And they're still super efficient movers. I know we're comparing some of the best athletes in the world, right? We're using them as examples. But why can't people do that at a you know at a lower level? Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely possible. Yeah. Well, genetics, I think, one. We yeah. all know genetics. Of course, of genetics course. does play a role. But, yeah, I think they have a, a good strength and conditioning professional backing them. And they probably do a decent block of hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know at the level they are now. When you're in the big leagues like that and you're established, and I kind of started to realize this when I was at Cressy, like they're they're so invo- they're so focused on longevity and injury prevention mm-hmm. more than they are in speed right. and hypertrophy. Yeah. Especially right? in baseball, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. They just want you to be healthy for 162 mm-hmm. games, right? Yeah. It's so yeah. hard to do. But yeah, I assume and definitely younger in their career. I don't know about now, but. Uh, like an hypertrophy block was definitely used. I, I mean, I think anybody, uh, any strength and nature professional would use one if they, you know, they think they're doing the right mm-hmm. thing and it's the right timeline. Mm-hmm. What else did I have to say about, uh, oh, oh, the machines. The machines. <laughs> yeah, it's back funny, to machines. It's, it's funny that you said that because because I have a women's basketball player with an ACL, like I was talking about. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. it was a seizing and an injury, right? But I've done everything I can just to keep in communication with her and hope everything's okay. So she like she wants to lift mm-hmm. um, upper body what she can, and she's dude, she's awesome. She's fresh out of ACL surgery, mm-hmm. and next week she's trying to do upper body lifts. Mm-hmm. Like, dang, that's awesome! I'm definitely going to support you because you're trying to get after it, and you have a great work ethic. Like I have to respect that. Right, right? Right. So like I was like, hmm, what can I do? What can I do? Machines. Machines is perfect because she mm-hmm. can just put her legs however they mm-hmm. want to be, yeah. and it isolates certain muscle groups like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I would have no stressors in terms of putting any kind of workload mm-hmm. or any kind of ground contact yeah. on the knee. Yeah. So like that just makes me think of so many of the applications of of things that are undervalued about the machines. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of flip the script now. So we talked a lot about female training. We talked a lot about um, the lower half. We talked some uh, adaptations about machines. So let's talk. You know, we can get one more topic in here and then we can go to some of the stuff that you've been writing down and everything. So when it comes to periodization, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, when we train for aesthetics and then when I train for baseball, and of course I know you're big into um, bar velocity. I know that's how you do a lot of your training, right? How would you consider periodizing um, the whole gaining weight, 
Um, like what rep range would you stay in at first, right? Like would you do periodization, reverse periodization? What do you think has the greatest benefit for college athletes, especially young college athletes? Mm. Okay. Or even or even people who are beginning to train aesthetics. I know that's not ad, that's not as much your forte, but I know you I still like, understand. I would put it like this, like you want a beach body, right? Summer's coming up. You want to look popping on the beach. What a gun to your head, what's the rep range you do and the set range you do if you want to be big? If someone says Eight to twelve, three to six, twelve to fifteen. Like, what? What is your? If you had to put do, money on it. Okay, if I had a gun to my head, I would do a five by fifteen, probably three different blocks of exercises. Okay. Five, put, five by fifteen. Five by 15. really. Okay. If I really had to do it, and mm-hmm. I had to get big and juicy. I probably, I probably, <laughs> I'd, probably do a, I'd probably do a five by fifteen with maybe six exercises total okay um and some kind of light warm-up to just get blood flow so five mm-hmm. by so five by 15 you're looking at 75 reps of volume per exercise times six what's 75 times six i don't know but it's gonna be a <laughs> big number oh 150 300 450 450 reps yeah it's mm-hmm. gonna be a day a, it's gonna be a ton of volume and if you're not trained enough, if you're not trained well enough to do something like that, even if I went and I had to do that for a month, mm-hmm. I'm training five by fifteens, mm-hmm. I'd probably get hurt in week two. <laughs> but but yeah. If, yeah, but if you ease yourself up, so like say you weren't as trained as well, same concept, do a lot of reps and and superset those exercises. So like a push and a pull. Say I do um, a dumbbell bench and a dumbbell. Uh, inverted row on a bench. So I'm gonna push. I'm gonna pull. And I'm gonna do it with dumbbells. I'll do, you know, three set, three sets, four sets of fifteen. If you need to ease into that type of five by fifteen craziness, but that's crazy. And I've never done anything like that. I might uh, go into that because I've I've I have dabbled well, in that is, a little bit. What does your training look like right now? If we're talking about aesthetics, I know you said you trained a failure, which I think is hypertrophy in a nutshell too. Yeah, right now, like well, today's he, yeah, not doing it right now, but we have he has today's especially. back workout was four sets of twelve barbell row. Um, three sets of fifteen uh, pull downs, four sets of twelve um, row machine. Uh, what are these called? Straight bar um, pull downs. Kind of like yeah. straight, 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 straight bar press straight downs. Lats. Yeah, lats. yeah, yeah straight yeah, bar yeah. pull down. That was four sets of twelve, and then I went into arms. That was four workouts right there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then I, I went into biceps. I did uh, four sets of failure of um. I'm trying to work on my vascularity, mm-hmm. so of just holds on the bar. So like I would do like five. So like isometric holds. He's right. talking about yeah. Mm-hmm. Five five reps of those, and then last second hold. Try to hold it for like a minute or whatever, and then I would go into um. Incline dumbbell curls. So that was four sets of fifteen. Do you superset anything, or do you do one extra? No, go one at a time usually. Interesting. Is there a reason why? Or is that just kind of like always done it? I just feel I kind of I have superset before. Yeah. And I think the mind muscle is a little. I think when I go superset, I get a little crazy. I'm like, mm-hmm. and I like oh, that. Okay. Just like bang, take your time. One, okay. two, three. I can see I that. Like, we're talking mind muscle connection. Like if you stick with one exercise and you're trying to bang it out and really think about that muscle. That's what. That's, that's me. That yep. makes sense to me. Because like in between sets, I'm not like, like I'll go on my phone and change music, but I'm like in there to like talk around. You know what I mean? Like I'm like thinking about okay, like this set's coming up. Like yeah. I'm gonna do this. People, I'm gonna move this. People, get off your phone in the gym. Yeah. That's how I'll look at that. Yeah. I am am on it if you catch me in there. Like, I am on it changing music, but I'm just changing music. I'm not like... We're in there checking out Swap Strength. We want to know what landmine press we should do next. Get off the the phone, people. People, if we we work out and we're checking Instagram and we're checking Twitter and we're texting people back during a workout, what you're doing is working out. What you should be doing is training. 
mm-hmm. with a purpose and with a goal. Mm-hmm. So get off your phone, put the phone away, turn it off, and go train and yeah. chase down a oh, goal yeah. and do it day by day. Right? That's what that to me. That's mm-hmm. what training is. Training is chasing down a goal and getting after it one percent every day. Mm-hmm. And then working out or lifting weights is like, all right, I'm gonna be on my phone. Then I'm gonna row something and then I'm gonna be on my phone. Then I'll do a push up. Right? That's just why I think about mm-hmm. it, like working out versus training. And we're talking about like the like the five to the fifteen, right? Like if you had one workout or uh, one plan, that's what you would do to get big and juicy. And I always see people talk about and even like. Uh, famous influencers so you can't argue with them or you know doctors or whatever who say don't overtrain don't overtrain mm-hmm. I'll say this right now my chest did not grow until I did a crazy amount of sets like you just talked about with incline man like I hammer I did a, you know Alex Eubank no I did his chest program okay. and it's chest three days a week so it's it's not ideal but if you my chest was a bird chest so like I had to do something to fix it nothing bird, was working a bird chest a bird chest <laughs> for the birds you can eat a bowl of cereal right it. right yeah. <laughs> that's a guy like that but um his plan was i'd go in four sets of 15 incline dumbbell four sets of 15 uh incline press and then it would be like four sets of 12 uh flat barbell so it's all benching movements and then uh four sets of 20 uh either chest flies would be or uh whatchamacallit um what's the machine where you're like closing in like this it's kind of like a fly. I guess it oh, is a okay, fly okay. machine. Like angle. Okay. So it was always three days a week, four sets, to 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I'm not going to lie, it worked. And maybe it's not ideal for some people, but at the time I was training four sets of 12 before, so I was able to uh, like adjust easily, I guess you could say. And I didn't get hurt or anything. But yeah, that, that's what my and, that's, and at the end of the day, that's the concept for hypertrophy, and we're trying to build muscle and look good. Mm-hmm. Like You don't have to swear by five by 15. To some degree, I just threw that out there. Right. Because that's a ton of work. Mm-hmm. But... Like everything you're saying is three, four plus sets mm-hmm. for eight, 10, 12 plus reps, right? Do a mm-hmm. lot of reps and do it a lot of sets. And also, I don't know what your rest time looks like, but it's shown if you limit your rest to like one minute. That was, it was one to two minutes, was yeah. it, and it was usually one minute. Yeah, perfect. For when we're trying to look good, if you limit your rest to one minute and just do a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of sets mm-hmm. and a lot of volume, that's really how you train to look mm-hmm. good. And there's a time and place for that for, for every athlete. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And all right, so next question. So we already talked about this a little bit. We said we were going to go over like a little bit more of an in-depth plan. I'm already kind of like, you know, progressing forward with it. So I had four weeks there where I, I wasn't able to train, right? You know, lost, you know, 20 pounds of uh, muscle, right, off my body. Mm-hmm. So we, we said that the body, and this is for the most elite athletes, can maintain that strength, you know, as long as it's touched for up to one month, right, without it then being touched again. So for somebody who's trying to get get back into it, trying to gain weight back, right, trying to get, especially when we got a season like right around the corner, what is your recommendation for me in terms of how I should progress reps over this? Because a lot of people are getting sick right now, so I know it's definitely a problem. Like Chris, oh, yeah. Chris, Chris Bumstead right just, you know, got COVID and then he got something the else. COVID, he lost yeah. 28 pounds, so he's, you know, he's starting to get back into training. And especially when you get the flu, man, it wipes you out. So you kind of have to build your body back up. So what's what would you recommend? Yeah, and I think in this your goes, opinion. <clears throat> yep, I think this goes back to acclimating to a degree, and also when we talk about the strength fall off and the power fall offs over mm-hmm. time. Yeah, you also have to know you just had COVID and the flu and all this stuff. So in terms uh-huh. of immune response and what's mm-hmm. happening, yeah, physiologically there might. That, yeah. that wasn't taken into yeah. account in that research. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's that could, true. Yeah, that that could be way different. But from a general perspective, the way I see it is. It's been a while since you lifted, right? So what I would do is, and this is kind of a blanket term, but work capacity. Mm-hmm. Well, get some work capacity and acclimate yourself back into it for about a week, yeah. or maybe two. So like, what I mean by that is like, 
three by eight reps. Three yeah. by eight reps. Mm-hmm. Of That's kind of what I've been doing. Yep. Yep. Three by eight reps of mm-hmm. your favorite exercises. Have fun with it. Get ready to mm-hmm. do what you're gonna, what you plan on doing after mm-hmm. the two week acclimation. So just a three by eight, super mm-hmm. simple. Start to get in the gym again. And this is a timeline where like we have a lot of baseball training going yeah. on. Baseball yep. training is taking a precedence mm-hmm. over lifting right mm-hmm. now. That's kind of where the stage mm-hmm. we're at. So you have to yeah. understand if baseball training is going like this. Our sh- our strength training cannot cannot be going significantly like yeah, this either. Yeah. Right? They have to to some degree the strength has to even out, and then our baseball volume is going to go crazy. So that's something to take in consideration. Yeah. But I would acclimate three by eight, super simple. Get back into it, and then maybe I know you love to touch. I know you love to touch strength like yeah. every week at least. Mm-hmm. So and you mentioned to me you want you retested mm-hmm. some of your lifts. Mm-hmm. I like that idea just because we don't have games Mm -hmm. it's like to see where you're at i'm cool with that Mm -hmm. but i kind of get back into if i was to do it i'd acclimate for a week or two and then i focus on speed Speed, we're we're, we're about to be on the baseball field Mm -hmm. what are we going to do when we're on the baseball field we're going to move fast fast, yeah we're going to we're going to move fast with our body move fast swing fast yeah yeah and be able to do it rotationally so do you think it's so all right so after a full fall of training i was up to 405 for um, a two rep max or no 425 for a two rep max on the uh, back squat, do you think it's worth it for me to try and push the push the tempo here, push the fact of trying to get back to somewhere close to that weight before we get back into season February fourteenth? Do you think it's worth it? No, no, no. yeah, simple mm-hmm. answer. Yeah, simple answer. I think there's such a precedence put on strength and at the end of the day like if you put a video like i put up a video of me deadlifting heavy one day um, yeah from a team lift and that that gets a bunch of views because mm-hmm. it's lifting heavy and yeah. it's high intensity right yeah. that's cool but you have to think about the demands of the sport so if mm-hmm. we're talking about baseball the heaviest thing we touch is our bat and what is mm-hmm. our bat two pounds maybe yeah yeah that's true, even, yeah. right so it's great if you could and we both can squat and deadlift mm-hmm. the house right a yeah. lot but that's great, and that serves a really good foundation in terms of other things we could do, but we're not put under load on the baseball field. Mm-hmm. What we have to be really good at at the baseball field is being really strong on, yeah. one, on one leg yeah. and being really good at rotating. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We, lo- we load one leg, and we come out of it, and we rotate while mm-hmm. we do it. So if you can be strong on one leg and you can rotate really well, mm-hmm. a lot of good things are going to happen on the baseball field. So in your example, like I'd start moving things fast. I start yeah. moving things fast on one leg, even maybe some ISO work. Mm-hmm. Um, and rotate, man. We gotta rotate. Yeah, we gotta rotate, bro. We gotta rotate. You gotta be good in the transverse plane. And that gets back to the three planes of movement. We talk about this a bunch. In the sagittal plane, if we squat and deadlift, we're in the sagittal plane, right? Everything's forward. We stay right here. Uh, baseball is played in the frontal and the rotational or transverse mm-hmm. plane. So we have to be able to move side to side and we have to mm-hmm. be able to rotate. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that's undervalued when you train baseball players. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna get them super strong in a squat and deadlift, which may has it have its place. Um, that's not going to really transfer directly to the demands of what we're going to do throughout yeah. the season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I'd say. Some acclimation yeah. and then start rotating, man, and getting strong mm-hmm. on one leg. Yeah. And I think definitely what I'm going to do is because what I also hate about in-season training, right? We want to be able to, we want to move stuff faster. We want to be able to keep our power output where it is, right? So we tested by vertical jump. Uh, we tested, uh, you know, whether you're using a gym to wear um, with um, – with squatting, right, or different movements, like with the bench press, or you have a jump mat and you can do pogo jumps. There's a million different things that you can do with that. But I hate not necessarily training to keep our body mass. And I know eating has a lot to do with that, but when you have a person who's a lot leaner, right, so it's easier for a dude who's, let's say, 10 to 15% body fat 
to keep it on during the season because what all he really has to do is eat. But if you're down near 4% like me, if I'm not lifting a certain way, then I'm not going to keep that muscle. So I want to be able to figure out a way where I, you know, I'm still training to move things fast. I'm rotating, right? But I, I'm still doing something in a rep range to where I can keep the muscle on my body. Mm-hmm. And of course, eating. If I'm not eating enough, then all that, all that goes away right away, right? But I want to make sure that I'm doing something that's keeping the muscle around. So during the fall, I was training. And of course, this is in the fall. And I continued to, you know, get bigger and stronger, right? Ended the fall right around 203, I think, on one of my heavier days. But I was, you know, I was ripped up. But I was, remember, I did like a super heavy, not a super heavy, but I did a hypertrophy lift in the morning, like for back and buys. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was during our scout day. And as I was taking BP, my forearms were tightening up. Mm-hmm. And I had great mm-hmm. rounds. And dude, I was launching the ball. But dude, I remember, I was like, dude, you need to keep your arm like this. Because if I stretch or if I move back like here, it's going <laughs> to cramp. And I'm not going to be able to move. So I don't want to get to that I point. I hate forearm cramps, dude. After yeah. a heavy arm day. Oh, man. Dude, I got it while we were playing basketball the other day. Mm-hmm. As I was guarding Tyler, I was literally running around the court with my arm straight. Because I couldn't bend it. As soon as I bent it like that, it would go. <laughs> so people look at you like you're crazy. And it's like, dude. Dude, you have no idea what's going yeah. on. Thank right God now. we won that game because I sprinted over and got some. I chugged like half a thing of water. Oh, and I just sat there. Yeah, I remember when you were like, Where's the water? Where's the water? Where's the water? <laughs> and it worked. It, it helped me out with two. That's funny. For a little bit there, man, if I bent my arm like this, it was just. Yeah. And I was trying to play basketball. So, every, of course, every time I dribbled, it, I was in searing pain. Yeah. <laughs> But that's but so yeah. funny. I know that exactly. You walk around like this mm-hmm. all day after a good arm day. Yeah, yeah. Your arms never extend. No, yeah, it's awesome, man. I'll be sitting in class and I'll flex my forearm too hard and it's just. And you want to like jump when you're in class so you can like stay so You're like, fun! You're like, fun! Professor, I have a question about this. All right. So that was all awesome, guys. So I think, but just getting to a little segment here, I wanted to talk about some of the fitness fads, right? From uh, 2021, so we had a lot of stuff with quarantine, people working out inside. We had different diet fads come around, right? We had different, you know, apps that emerged, and of course, different influencers. So we want to do something that's going to relate to you guys, all of you guys. That's not necessarily just athletes, right? So let's go ahead and we're going to talk about some of the um, fitness fads from 2021. So one, training um, with one of those mirrors. Which one? Training, training with you know, uh, you know, you have like Peloton. You have the one that LeBron oh, okay, James okay. does where you're working out in a mirror, right? It's okay. in your home. So you can even say working out at home. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. How do you feel about your trainer, right? People working out at home. I hate it. First of all, I hate it. I know COVID was a different, you know, a different circumstance, right? And if you have, you know, super low immunity and you are high comorbidity, well, of course, we want to exercise to get help get rid of that comorbidity to mitigate the risk or mitigate the risk. But I'm just not really a fan of working out at home, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you're college athletes. Right, especially working out at Campbell in that atmosphere, what we've been able to accomplish at ESU in the weight room, like I really, that's what I'm used to. But even if even if the gym's empty, I'd rather go lift at an empty gym yep. than work out yep. in my basement. Mm-hmm. And we have a pretty good setup in our basement, so yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think the COVID timeline was interesting because really anything anybody could do to stay active, do it. Like yeah. whatever it was, I know, and things weren't the best at home. And I did for the first time in my life, I was doing makeshift makeshift workouts with twenty five pound dumbbells, and that was yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And a basketball hoop in my backyard, right? Yeah. So how, how could you make a workout from that? And like that was super cool for me, just like training that way and learning things as I go. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, whatever you could do during COVID, awesome, do it. Mm-hmm. But then I think in terms of what was I doing that time to actually get better, was like. 
I was, I remember there was this crazy video, and I think it's on my Instagram somewhere. There was a picture like a car, right? And you go up under a car like this, mm-hmm. and as if you were to do like a sumo deadlift. Yeah. I did sumo deadlifts, mm. ISO sumo deadlifts from the bottom. Of the <laughs> did cars. you ever get the car up? Did you ever get no, it? No, it just looked, it lifted <laughs> and like the suspension. Well, the suspension yeah. lifted. It was a pickup truck. Oh, okay. The suspension lifted. <laughs> the key and I didn't move. Force I yeah, it made for a cool video, but like that was just the things you had to think of mm-hmm. to try to get some kind of mm-hmm. training effect. Mm-hmm. But also that time was a really good time for because people were always com- people were complaining, and I know a lot of bad things happened during COVID. People were complaining about the circumstances, and at the end of the day, it was an uncontrollable. It is what it is, right? So like, what could you do to get the step ahead against those other guys that are playing baseball like yeah. from our perspective yeah right what could you, that was a great time to jump ahead and that's why i think i had such a good year at rome because during that covid time was the hardest i ever trained in my yeah. life probably um even though i didn't have the resources yeah. you know what was it good for it was a good time to do sprints. and there was nothing else to do so like what was your excuse like yeah. you, working out exactly yeah. you were just yeah. gonna sit there and complain about the things going on in the world yeah it's it, there should be discussions about things going on and you know create solutions and things like that but you can't just complain about it you have mm-hmm. to go out, you have to go out and make action every mm-hmm. day so like for me what was it a good time for to work on my speed i can work mm-hmm. on speed on a grass field anyway yeah yeah right? i might not have a squat rack but i have i have turf mm-hmm. i have grass so that was a great time for me to actually you know get after some of my speed training but like that's just a way to think about it right mm-hmm. so in terms of working out at home that's what it brings me back to the, yeah the quarantine time and kind of what i did um, but at the end of the day, as long as people stay moving, and we all know the research was like just staying physically active and mental health during mm-hmm. a time like that, that played a role too. Mm. So that, that's what I was saying for that one. I yeah. You can stay active. Bro. Yeah, physical activity is just everything for your mental health. Like, yeah. never mind like how your body looks. Like, dude, I would go to the gym just for what it does for my brain, dude. Like, yeah. and my thoughts. So, when I'm so. in the gym, I am never more confident. Even if I'm not having a great lifting day, even if I fail like 225 or whatever. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the gym, my head is in such a good space. I'm thinking clear. I know what I want to do. I'm more confident about things. I just think that people need to start lifting for that reason too. Yeah, and the set, and it's hard to get in the gym. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Once you leave, you feel like Superman. Mm-hmm. You did your work mm-hmm. for the day. You know you're super satisfied. So. Yep. I think that's some people got to think about before going to the gym. Know the feeling you're gonna have when you leave. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, yeah, I love all the input on that, actually, so that that's really good, because, of course, people were in a million different situations, didn't really know what to do, but people found a way, and here's the thing, guys, like, even CNN just came out, and took them forever to a minute, and I don't mean to get political, but they finally said, like, hey, exercising, living a healthy lifestyle helps. is one yeah, thing. Jesus, took long enough. <laughs> that helps, you know, mitigate the risk of getting COVID-19 and dying from COVID-19, not necessarily getting it, but dying from it, right, so obviously, man, so fitness is super important, so get out move your body, do things that are tough, mm-hmm. right? David Goggins, man, you don't got to go run 20 miles, but maybe half a mile to start. One <laughs> percent every day. One percent every mm-hmm. day. All right, so what are some other... All right, so... Ca- all right, so caffeine before you lift, especially pre-workout. So, mm-hmm. with all right, so pre-workout or caffeine, because I know the pre-workout game right now is super strong. Yeah. Even with Bang, Bang's coming out with new flavors like every day. Every day, The man. Rock, The Rock came out with Zoe. Zoe is taking the world by storm. I do reviews. Aspire Energy. I do energy drink reviews. On dude, right. really dude we should have did one today. Dude, dude yeah. We should have did one today. Bro, right. are you well, kidding me, dude? I have a feeling this won't be his last time on here, so we'll no. get something going. No, he's got to come on every week now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm part of the crew now. Now I'm just here. Bro's getting Where's my swat, bed at? Where's right? my bed at? I'll just, I'll just set it up. We got a couch. I was going to say, we got a couch. I'm going to the couch. Get a pillow. There's a kitchen. It's over. I'm bringing in the steaks, the white rice, the Oh man! Oh, let's, let's go, man. <laughs> <I'm hungry. laughs> All right, so pre-workout. 
What do you think? Have you ever? All right, so you got the Jocko pre-workout, right? So mm-hmm. Jocko Willink oh, came Jocko. out with the whole line. <laughs> Love Jocko. You taken, Jocko have you dude. ever taken pre-workout? Of course, of course. And you and you drinking like a bang before we left, right? Yeah, I've had it all, man. I've had it all. <laughs> so uh, what's what's better? I'm at the point now where I, I <laughs> it's kind of funny, I guess, but I, I drink coffee for educational purposes and knowledge okay. gaining purposes, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And then outside of that, I'll usually just have an energy drink when okay. I'm when I'm getting ready to do my baseball or lifting. That, yeah. What's your go-to? Um, my go-to, well, I, I bought a case of one of Bang, one of Monster before I came down here. Dude, if I, I took. Both of those before work, I'd be like, bloop, bloop, like that's oh, how I yeah, am with yeah. banging monster in particular. I can't work out if I'm going to do those. Yeah, and now I'm caffeine tolerant because of all of it. Because that's all, I'm the same way, yeah. right? So I'm we don't actually, way. we probably don't even get the effects of actual caffeine increased performance anymore. Right. I, I know I probably don't because I just have had it so long now, and now I just feel like I need it to live. It's like more, water. It's more like water. Yeah. It's a like water. Almost yeah. more of an addiction and warding right. off. Yeah. Watch your mouth. Well, <laughs> no, I'm right. with you. You're right. I'm with you. I, I have too much caffeine. Wait, so but you just gotta take more caffeine. <laughs> so more caffeine. Bang, it's it's a bang and Jocko. Well, dude, some people do uh, that on a regular. Dude, I'm like, dude, I don't know how. You oh, you got it, the man. Jocko goes. Is that what you're talking about? I haven't tried it yet. I, it was okay. his actual pre-workout. So what I want to say on pre-workout is, everybody told. I, I don't want to say it didn't work for me because it did. I, I was a little more concentrated, a little more like pepping my step, and it, it carried. Instead of like helping me hit maxes, it more so helped the end of my workouts when I was tired. It kind of gave me that, that extra like limp. But I never got over the itching. And some people were like, <laughs> everyone always, everyone always said like, yeah, dude, dude nuts. Just give it a week, you'll be fine, dude. No, I always freaking was like rubbing my face, and then I got acne worse. Like, I was always like rubbing my face in the gym, in the dude. Gym, man. You can't help it, yeah. Yeah. So I never got over the itching. So I always thought now I'm like always just caffeine, like you talked about. Yeah, I but used to yeah, do, uh, I used to do a lot of C4, you know, classic. You know? Mm-hmm. So I asked, I went in for an appointment for my stomach one time, and I was just chit chatting with the doctor, and I thought my heart was speeding up from an energy drink, but it turns out it was gas from like the stomach problems that I had. It's weird. <laughs> like, dude, I was freaking. Out. I thought my heart was like going to explode, but it wasn't beating. It wasn't my heart beating. It was like a gas buildup in here. So I asked him, like, so what do you think about, like, energy drinks? And, you know, doctors, especially NDs who deal with this kind of stuff all the time with people having problems from, over like, overuse of caffeine. They say, like, well, energy drinks really aren't bad. You don't want to overdo them. You want to make sure you're staying, you know, under the 400 milligrams a day, which is, like, the daily recommendation from the CDC yeah, that, and the um, at, FDA. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel better about myself. So, but they say, like, pre-work, they're like, stay away from that. Like they, they did studies on Marines over in the Middle East that would take pre-workout, like, before they left because they were, you know, they're bored over there. Especially when they were stationed over there, you know, the last, you know, 30 years of our military's history. But they said they found some crazy stuff in pre-workout. So I don't really know, like, what's in pre-workout and what's in an energy drink that claims to be pre-workout. Like, what, like what's the difference? And what makes, like, what makes you itch? Like, I've never itched after drinking an energy drink. But Brent takes Jocko once and all of a sudden he's like a and rabid it's animal. Every, dude, it's almost, I've tried five pre-workouts. <laughs> it's all. In four of the five I've itched on. Yeah. But that's crazy. That's... And the one that I didn't itch on didn't do anything for me. I was living in there like. Interesting. Do you know which one itch. that was? That was cocaine. Yeah, that was cocaine. I didn't want to say anything. No, <laughs> no I think uh, the itching of Brent has never taken cocaine. <laughs> never. Disclaimer. Never. <laughs> Disclaimer. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, I think the stuff that makes you itch is the beta alanine. It's one of the beta alanine. Yeah, mm-hmm. beta alanine is one of the stimulants in, mm-hmm. in a lot of pre workouts, and that usually makes you itch. And it's funny that you say it kicks you up at the end of the workout mm-hmm. because beta alanine is actually an aerobic or longer duration. Mm-hmm. That's what its effects are on versus the short term. So, like, after you get through 
the main lifts and stuff and you finish the workout strong, that's that beta alanine and that itch probably really? coming through. It's yeah. funny you said, I like that you said that because a lot of my friends take it for, to hit maxes and stuff mm-hmm. and it never helped me with maxes, but it did help me with those. If I'm doing five sets of 15 on the fifth set, it did freaking like carry me through those last couple mm-hmm. reps. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But I, I I think the pre workout Dude, you need stuff, to come back and we need to do an energy drink review. Yeah, we could do that. We're going to do, we're, let's do it like next week. Okay. We'll get like we'll get like a bang rain. Like we don't have to set to drink them. We should but we can each like sip. We're drinking them. We're drinking them. <laughs> yeah, blindfold. Yeah. Oh, dude, let's do it. Yeah, yeah no, for dude, that. dude, my Tourette's gonna be banging me off the walls, bro. I'm gonna be going freaking nuts. <laughs> yeah, we better do it like in the. Really we need cool. to dude, do we like bring, the We gotta bring like Richard in, like a farm who like oh, knows about all the ingredients, so he can just sit here and like. He's like there with the. What's the thing that revive you? Oh, the defibrillator. Defibrillator. Yeah. <laughs> Defibrillator. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready to go, man. Disclaimer too. That's gonna be a YouTube video. If We're I'm gonna ever, line them up. Freak, you guys think everything I'm dead? I'm just passed on the ground. Open up a white lightning monster. Just drip yeah. a little in my mouth. I'm yeah. waking dude, up, dude. That shit is mad. We lived man. off of white lightning. Our, our coaches lived off of white lightning at Campbell, bro. I just had one today. Lived oh, off. But they dude, would get the it. big. They would get the big like sixteen packs. Like they would literally. They had like part of the team budget where they would go out and they'd get like monsters with it. Because mm-hmm. we, you know, we were allowed to get food. But they would go out and dude, and our dudes, our coaches were drinking like two a day. Sometimes and like some, that. And, some and, and people like, are a double so. Hair, dude, I'm sitting there just, dude. This is like the most nuts thing I've ever seen. And our fridge, like, so we had a fridge, and you were allowed to put whatever you wanted. And of course, we had our snacks. We had we were sponsored by Gatorade, so we had our Gatorade stuff. We had like yogurts and fruit, and you know, fr- like um, fruit cups and like usually leftover food from the team meal the day before. Mm-hmm. But then the right side of the fridge was all monster it was monster and bang because dude we had 45 we had 45 guys on the team for a double header dudes are walking with two banks and we were putting them in the fridge dude we are fully like addicted to caffeine it was so colorful i wish i took a picture of it (laughs) but it was it was like the most insane thing man so that's cool we're definitely gonna follow up and do like a youtube vlog of testing out energy drinks yeah and then we're gonna and then we're gonna test our vertical jump we're gonna take the gym to wear from Yes. Oh, yeah. Then you go. That'd be anaerobic. So that'd be a cool study. That'd yeah, cool and we're gonna study. and we're gonna make a thesis out of it, and yep. then we're gonna get we're gonna become doctorates. That's yeah, gonna be like our doctorate study. Some people are just so anti-monster from from the freaking uh, way the bottle shaped with the six 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 or whatever, all yeah. the way into oh, the yeah. effects of it. Or like, oh, I, everyone, because whenever people see me drinking a monster, they're like, oh, you know, I had a uh, nephew who uh, died from monster. You know, everyone says Dude, that I feel shit. Like everyone knows like, someone who's died from monster. Up. I feel like everyone has a story no about it. Yeah, no, like, shut up. Yeah, no, you probably died from what monster. What you didn't know is your nephew nephew was doing coke every weekend oh, on right, the side. All right, let's chill. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're just what <laughs> no, I'm playing, but no, everyone freaks out about Monster, but no, I'm fine. But yeah, I'm let's fine not let's not scoop pre-workout and then drink a Monster, right? That's more of the story. All right, yeah. next one. <laughs> Lifting with a shirt, modest dressing in the gym, opposed to like, put, like crop top stringers or no shirt in the gym. What do you think? <laughs> like oversized tees as opposed to no shirt. Mm. What are we thinking? And of course, this is you know more. So, actually, goes for girls too. We'll just speak about guys because I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole. I'll tell you this: on upper body days, I, I like wearing a cut off. Yeah. Okay. You're old school. Man. I don't. If I'm gonna work out shirtless, I'd like to be like by myself. Like the only time I worked out shirtless in my life, really, and it just saved laundry, which was great, was when I was home for quarantine. Like mm-hmm. I was saying, because I was in my backyard. Mm-hmm. But I would never go to gym and take my shirt off. Mm-hmm. But. um you know, honestly, weightlifting and the stuff we do, a lot of it is about how we build our bodies. So when mm-hmm. you're doing it and you want to see how you're building sure. your body, you know, I think there's some validity to that. Validity to that, and that's why I like to work out in cutoffs when I do upper body training. Okay. Um, but I mean, yeah, valid, at the same yeah. time, at I the like same that. time, don't be. 
weird be, about don't it. Don't be a jackass. Don't be a jackass. Okay, don't don't <laughs> take your shirt off and go to the mirror and do your bodybuilding poses. Dude, dude my dad do rips us bo- for the amount of time we spend flexing in the oh, mirror. I do. I'm not gonna lie, dude. Our I'm dad that. rips us because he didn't have a mirror when he was lifting in his garage in the '90s, <laughs> and like a lot of gyms didn't necessarily have mirrors. So my dad kind of rips us for it, and like rightfully so. I spent way too much time looking in the damn mirror. Dude, it's so bad. We have a mirror at ESU in the weight room. Yeah, it's it, terrible. We're mirrored out over. There. Oh no, we have the one big one. Dude, it's yeah. terrible, dude. I'm like literally over there. Well, I like it for squats. It's good, mm-hmm. right? I like. I was being gonna say, able I think there's seat. a lot of benefits to mirrors. We'll get yeah, that. But. but when you got a bunch of guys in there that are trying to get after it and are trying to keep the intensity up throughout the different training blocks of a collegiate of a college lift, right? Because mm-hmm. you have to keep the intensity up. You can't be taking those lifts slow. Sure. We don't need guys hitting a rep of deadlift and then doing like their push-ups and then going over the mirror and being like. Yeah, like getting a quick flex in. Like I'm guilty of that. Like I'll do my push press and then I'll just be like, <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, I have abs, so I'm like lifting up my shirt. Oh, oh the old wipe the oh, sweat well, off dude, the face. I, no, I don't. I've seen that too many I times. Yeah. I don't fall even. From him. Uh, I don't just wipe this. sweat off my face. I just lift my shirt up and I look. <laughs> That's right. We're joking though. Like, oh, you. Oh, I'm just wiping sweat off my face. In the back and I'm just like. <laughs> I know they saw it. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I haven't actually. See, done I'm that. not. Gonna, I, I look at myself a lot, but I'm not like flexing. I'm just like this. Like, I'm just like, like putting my shoulders back, you know, like looking in. Yeah, right. so I'm like, just trying to see how it looks. Right. See, if, <laughs> see if my work is paying off. Right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not actually like. Like you know what I mean? Like what <clears> though? <throat> you are a little bit like that though. I'm not gonna lie. I li- you'll yeah. be in there. You'll be. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed like just doing it. Like, I'm about to start lifting in long sleeves and sweatpants. With the garbage bag on. For the wet. For the rest, well, they say winter is like pump cover season. Like you hide the body to build the body, and then when the summer comes out, it's whoa bang. Thing I like about we're pump gonna do, covers, we should do a big reveal for me in six months after the season, and I've been training like hypertrophy and stuff. We should do like a big reveal, like make a big a big event out of that, oh and me God. taking off my shirt in public for the first time. Oh God! Okay. Oh God! I've got a, we know someone who owns a tanning salon, so I'll, I'll just go and I'll self tan. Oh my gosh! It'll be summer by then, so you can probably get a normal tan. <laughs> all right. So, also, any all right? So, any more trends that you guys have seen over the last year? That you want to go over? I don't know. Barefoot training school. All right, we already talked. We're not. Yeah, we can talk about that. One more minute. One more minute. I was just saying, this is good. Do we talk about avocado training. toast? Oh, avocado toast. Yeah, I have avocado toast almost every morning. I'm basic. So, what's your protein source then? It is what it is. Eggs. <laughs> Eggs. Yeah. No, I have a Dave's Killer Bread. It's my go-to Dave's nice. Killer with some avocado spread on both of those. About a half an avocado, and then I'll do a mixture of eggs and egg whites. Word. Put some veggies in there. That's the go-to. So. <laughs> Tough. Any other I'm trying to think of some trends? Um, I t- all right. So for female athletes, and I know it's weird. We can't. I don't want to keep talking about female athletes. And I mean, you know, we we you understand. Just started there. Understand like we're in a program where we're studying exercise science. We're studying how different exercise routines, nutrition, and everything like energy systems affect the body for both um, women and men. So we're just speaking off of like what we've learned. But you see a lot of people, especially women, training like individual body parts. Like they'll be like, "All right, this is my quad and like bent. This is like my quad and chest day." And then the next day they'll do a glute and back day. So it's like, "All right, so if you want ample rest time, right? Let's say you're lifting three to four times a week. You want ample rest time for your body to be able to grow, right? Because obviously they're trained to get like a little bit bigger, like in their butt, in their quads, whatever." So you need that ample rest time, and the exercises that you are doing with your quads, unless you're solely doing like leg extension machine work, you're hitting that same muscle like two days in a row. So I never get why some people train glutes and hamstrings and then like quads. Like it's like three different days during the week. I'm like, dude, you literally just trained legs three times. Like just cause you did glute bridge on one day and squat on the other day doesn't mean your quads and your hamstrings and your calves and all that wasn't involved. 
Yeah, you know. When, so when it comes to team sport training, it's just a little bit different. So that, like, mm-hmm. when you split up muscle groups and you think about isolating them, whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to do that, and that kind of split, that's more bodybuilding. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. right. When you really overload and hit a muscle hard, and then you do it with some frequency over time, that's how you really build muscles. That's how that works. Versus when you talk about team sports, I want full body stability and yeah. control. I want to make sure my mm-hmm. core is, and I want to make sure my core is stable when I'm doing movements like a row or a single leg, whatever, right? I want a full integration of the chain because mm. when we go and we move on the field, we're not going to be doing this. We're not going to be isolating the muscle group. It's always going to be all encompassing of how mm-hmm. we're moving. So, um, that's kind of how I think about that. But in terms of splits, um, the way I usually split it up, depending on the athlete and for myself, this is what I'm doing upper and lower splits, mm-hmm. two upper days, two yeah. lower days. Yeah. And, for me, that consists of squats and hinges uh, are two movement patterns I, I base it off of for the lower days and then uh, push and pull yeah. on my upper days. And then mm-hmm. you, know, you start working in different planes and mm-hmm. rotating mm-hmm. and going on single leg like I was talking about and moving uh-huh. fast. And also one more thing, because I know you want to talk about like training uh, barefoot. I got, a, I got a couple questions here real quick. So would you no, I don't want to talk about training barefoot. We're not, but if you had to wear shoes, what are you wearing? Are you wearing trainers, sneakers, or Converse? Mm. Oh, trainers, sneakers, or Converse. Yeah. So if you had, if you weren't training barefoot, right? Would you rather train in training shoes, like lifting shoes that are pretty flat, Converse's or just sneakers? Okay, um, with this, I always recommend that I always train in, and I have some Metcons on right mm-hmm. now, which are what I've been training, which are a little thicker than I like, but what I always say is minimalist. And New Balance has a really good minimalist line, and I train mm. in New Balance okay. too. Pretty much the, the least support you can get while still being efficient when you're mm-hmm. training, the better. Mm-hmm. Because this is a w- another way of how I think about it. The more high-tech the shoe, mm-hmm. the less high-tech the foot. Right. right? The more yeah. important things yeah. you have going on, the less the ankle mm-hmm. and the foot has to do to perform. Mm-hmm. So um, when you talk about the three different options there, whatever has less support, whatever demands more out of the ankle. It's probably Converse. Probably Converse, right? right. Converse. I told those well, sneakers because the sole isn't flat. It's like it's curved up and it's mushier depending. Like if you're, like if I'm lifting in these, as a pair as compared to you don't have are those trainers on? I guess you consider these trainers. Okay. Right? Okay. Because yeah, yeah, those I are lift, trainers. I'll lift like if it's an upper body, I'll have Converse's on. But if it's lower, I use my Under Armors that we got at Campbell because I love those, man. I love training. People like you know, legs and high top blazers. I don't know if you've seen that trend. High, high top, top what? It's high top version of these. Mm-hmm. I have a pair. Brett's got like some white Nikes on. It's basically Nike's Converse. Okay. Yeah. So it's built like a Converse, but I can't wear them personally because they're so narrow. My feet are not narrow at all. Yeah. So like are those narrow? These aren't. So the low tops aren't narrow. Did you lift in those earlier? No. Okay. Uh, the low tops aren't narrow, but the high tops are really... I think it's just because the way that you put the foot in, dude, it takes me like five minutes to put on the freaking shoes. It's nuts. Yeah, I think that's another good point. So like minimalist and having less support demands more of your ankle, which is mm-hmm. important. But also what you have on and all... I Even these Metcons like have a big toe box. Right, so like, I guess they can't really see our shoes, but if I have a toe box like this, then my, if these are my toes, they can sprawl out and mm. actually get traction yeah, and yeah. actually produce force and do those types of things. Versus if I have a shoe that comes to a point like this, mm. like a lot of Nikes these mm-hmm. days will be like this, especially cleats are big on that, then boop, my, toes, my toes stick like together that, and yep. I, can't, mm-hmm. I can't do the same things mm-hmm. I want to do. So if you actually look at your foot, it's funny, I mean... Maybe viewers will do this, but if you look at your foot, you take your shoe out and you look at how your toes are, you're usually going to be like this. Mm-hmm. They're all going to, instead of being all sprawled out and good and girthy and ready to grip the ground, mm-hmm. they're usually going to be together 
and slant it to the side because yep. of mm-hmm. the long-term adaptation from the shoe and the socks that we always wear. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I think about. That's a too. good point because I definitely think the go-to shoes for lifting are any sort of skate shoes, so Vans, Blazers, Converse, all that type of stuff with a flat bottom that you're talking about what you have on. And I never thought about too, like when I wear Air Maxes lifting, they are, it is like a pointed head. So it is like, I do feel a little like I can't breathe, I can't plant, you know yeah. what I mean? So that's a good point. Yeah. So did you say you had another question you wanted to ask? Yeah, I was going to say, what's your go-to uh, gym brand for like, <laughs> like what you're wearing? Ooh. Swap. In terms of like what I wear clothing in the mm-hmm. gym? Like, are you into that scene at all? No. You're I'm not really big into that guy. No, but I, I'll tell you that. Well, this is so bear That's bear, yeah. nutrition. This is mm-hmm. a big bear I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like him because I know where he comes from. Like I, I watched started watching his YouTube channel when he was, has like a thousand followers, mm-hmm. and now he's blown up. He's one of the. I don't even know how many followers he has now, but he, he's blown mm-hmm. up. And I know where he comes from, and I know he's honest, and he's a military guy. Yep. And like I, I can relate to him in his background, right? And mm-hmm. I know he's giving me an honest product, so I have no problem. Um, investing or or giving him my money because mm-hmm. I think he's honest and I think yeah. he does the right okay. things. Okay, respect that. But I also think Lululemon has good material. It's so expensive. Dude. <laughs> so I have one pair of Lululemon pants. Never wore them. It's funny. Black Friday, I had joggers in the car on Lululemon's website, and yeah. I was like, I can't, I yeah. can't, bro. Like, but yeah, how much it, were it they? Just, they were 80 instead of 120 or something. I think they were 80 or 90 instead of 120. And, like, if I'm going to go pay 60 or 70 for, like, a pair from Under Armour, though, then I may pu- I may have pulled the trigger on that. But then again, I also got three pairs of black Under Armour sweatpants <laughs> for, like, cheap. Yeah, I'm a hypocrite because I also, like, I would spend $70 on a knock of shorts, which are freaking shorts. Brent's a big brand guy. But, yeah, Brent's a big brand guy. Because you, 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 you look at Feel Shout good, out Raw Gear. Yo, Yo, it looks I, good. I, I love I'm really, I like Raw Gear, but raw I'm really, you know, good. Young LA. Young LA, yeah. No. Love their stuff, dude. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love their Is stuff. Is that lifting gear, too? Like Lifting and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know who's got good stuff? Bro's giving, I heard. <laughs> oh, they're coming out with some stuff. We're coming out. Just wait, dude. May I want to be a shirt. My other question, real quick. Gun, same thing, gun to your head. What's your max song? You need to get the weight up. Oh, let's go. Mm-hmm. Get right, Richa. Migos. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Migos. Brandon. Respect it. For me? Yeah. Hold on. Where's my phone? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're filling with it. What have I been. Oh, my gosh. Come on, Brent. Dude, what is this? Gun song? to your head. I don't know why I'm drawing. <laughs> yeah, I'm dead. You're dead. But, Brent's- uh. <laughs> go, go to yours real quick. Go to yours real quick. Because I'm drawing blank right now. All right, no love. Eminem. Low Wayne. Oh, probably, probably a Codeine Crazy by Monster. Right now, throw away. Not my bad. Not not Codeine mm-hmm. Crazy. Throw away right. by Monster. That's a good one too. Future. The Monster. That's a good I one knew too. Eminem was coming from you, and that song I have to listen to. I probably know. Throw if I away. Heard it. Yeah. Well, I played it in the weight room like eight times. Yeah. So I remember. Yeah. It was part of our ESU Max Week. Yeah. yeah. Max Week playlist. Throw away by Future. Throw away by Future oh. on the Monster. And I some uh, like I said higher ground. Is one song that I would maybe max to. Uh, you know, Blue like Notes, mm-hmm. Blue Notes with Meek Mill is a really good one. Um, trying to think what else. Yeah, my song like "Get Right With You" by Migos isn't even that hard of a song. Mm-hmm. But just, it, click, I, it, it just, just click works for me. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. works for me. Um, What's yeah. your best chill gym song? Chill. Chill. Like oh. I just chilling. Oh, then I'll play some country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh really? Oh, you, you lift the country? country. Yeah, lift yeah country. I, just, I, I listen to country twenty four seven, but I can't do it in the gym. I listen. I just don't listen to country in the gym. I could easily listen to country in the gym. So I guess if we're yeah. talking about chill, we're talking about chill gym music, which is an oxymoron. Yeah. I go some country. An oxymoron, that's true. Mm-hmm. Brent? Chill gym music? Yeah. Chill gym music? Uh, Rob, I'm, 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 I love Rod Wave, yeah. so I could just play Rod Wave 24-7. Oh, Rod Wave's good. But yeah. yeah Toozy. I, 
all those guys just like like, like uh euphoria and shit's like it's like yeah. just like if you're just in there like you want to go on the treadmill <laughs> but yeah yeah i kind of listen like some ajr sometimes you know ajr oh yeah yeah <laughs> they what do they like, like uh 100 100 days 100 week. bad days made a yeah like i'll listen to them stories, sometimes yeah. but i have i have a bunch like i'll listen to like some of the stuff like with Walleye, maybe some Justin Bieber sometimes. Just all oh, depends. Bieber, <laughs> yeah, because like um, running over with Lil Dicky. That's a good song, yeah. Actually, I oh. played it on the speaker when we I was chilling with Vic earlier, but just because like it was all my recently played. So, all right, Vic. Last thing here. You want to be a champion? You have advice. You have to give one piece of advice to a young kid that's coming up, wants to play college ball, wants to lift weights, right? What's the one thing that you would give him? One piece of advice, real short here that. To help him be a champion, him or her. Okay. Um, focus on developing yourself as a player and as a person. But don't go and showcase and pay money to go to college and team camps mm-hmm. and go play a bunch of baseball. Like, baseball is important. Get those mm-hmm. game reps in. But understand there's things you have to do to develop to the best of your ability as a baseball athlete or as an athlete in general. Mm-hmm. And that's getting in the weight room and that's starting to understand nutrition and even taking care of your academics. So whether it be recruiting process, coming up, whatever it is, develop yourself before you're ready to show yourself on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right, dude. Victor, thank you so much, brother, for coming mm-hmm. on. And, I'm, you know, awesome. I want to do some stuff next week. And I actually want to do some, maybe some stuff more regularly. Where it's just a 20-minute conversation every two weeks. But, you know, I mean, that's just great uh, content for both of our pages, right? And, guys, uh, look out. If you, made, if you made it to the end of the video, right, or we could just repost this as a separate clip. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> bros Giving, we are going to be starting a fitness page because I know we have a lot of different content that we put out between podcasts and TikToks and stuff like that, right? We want to make a page that's just for training just a place for you guys to go and um, get some new information. We'll be posting a lot of these clips. We'll be tagging Swap Strength. So you guys will have his information. Um, we'll try and get Mark on with the village. Um, I know I know he has a lot of great stuff to say. We'll link some of his stuff. But other than that, guys, you know, Happy New Year. Thank you guys for tuning in so mm-hmm. much. Be looking out. We're going to be having Zachary Campbell coming on again. Uh, I'm a pitcher in the Miami Marlins organization in the minor league organization, right? So he's going to be coming on. And again, watch out for some new YouTube videos. It's a new year, right? We got past uh, some year, obstacles. Yeah. So we're going to be coming at you hot now with a lot of content, especially before the season starts. But even through the season, man, we're going to keep hitting it hard. So like, comment, subscribe on all the videos. Look up for TikToks. You can find this uh, episode on YouTube and Spotify. But other than that, this has been DJ CJ. This has been Uncle Brent with Bros Giving. And our special guest, Victor Cruz of Swap Strength. Yep. So Swap we'll see strength. you guys later. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys soon. See you.